Howard Stern. Hit him with the... And now, anywhere, anywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Howard Stern. Sirius XM. Hey now, when we used to play this song on terrestrial radio, so-called terrestrial radio, did uh, did we have to bleep it? How did we handle the word motherfucker? Or did we not play this at terrestrial radio? That's what I'm wondering. I, I thought we played it at terrestrial radio. Yeah, so we I must have... Uh, what? I, I think there was an edit version that didn't have that right. word in it. Yeah, Thank that's you, what Fred. I was going to say, that it must have been altered because we couldn't have played Motherfucker on the air. You got to hear this, Robin. I um, After the Bruce Springsteen interview yesterday, I was in my car uh, taking a four-hour ride home. Okay. Uh, boy, do I not miss that commute. Where do you live again? On Mars? I, yeah, No, I, I, I moved to, uh, I believe, um, <laughs> Pennsylvania or something. Upstate New York and Narrowsburg I moved. But um, yeah, you would have thought. But I said, you know what? I got to call Fred because Fred's a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And I was reveling in the fact that we had had Bruce Springsteen on the show. And I was very happy about it. And Bruce was happy. I can tell you more about that. But um, I said, I'm going to call Fred. I want to bond with Fred. I haven't okay. called Fred in years. You know, I call. Of course, I get his voicemail. I'm not going to leave a voice message. You didn't. But yeah, I, no. I tried calling I, you right back, and it didn't work. You just kept oh. ringing and ringing and ringing. Yeah, I didn't have the ringer on, uh, evidently. Sometimes I forget to put the sound on, you know. But anyway, well, I so... Uh, you didn't have your voicemail on, so... I texted and, uh, and then I tried to call him again. It didn't work out. So uh, that was it. I, I just wanted to tell you that story. Um, I almost talked to okay. Fred yesterday. Yeah. You, you a, actually had the urge to talk to Fred. That's, hasn't that's happened, major. Hasn't <laughs> happened in like 35 years. I've had the urge. I finally had the urge. And of course, no Fred. And then he texted well, we, me something and that was it. We got, we got to have spring scene back on so I can get that call. Well, you know what, Fred, um, I was thinking um, from a musician's standpoint, which you are one, uh, I was wondering what you were thinking because I, I was thinking, oh, Fred must have been very pleased because Bruce was picking up many guitars, describing the guitars and the piano. I would think from a musician's standpoint, there was something he to be was learned. so good at explaining what he was all about. You know, it's like a lot of people just think of rock and rollers as guys just get up on the stage and just kind of hack around. He is so well thought out. He plans it like he's fucking Patton invading Normandy. Everything that he does, you know, down to his concerts, the way he writes songs. I mean, it was just very impressive. They should just anybody who's a musician should just listen to that uh, interview he did yesterday and do what he did. Maybe you'll have that kind of success because he he was just so driven. He's so it brilliant. was very impressive to hear the amount of work he puts in that, you know, he even refers to it as his work. In other words, he's not he's not playing around. He takes it very seriously. No. Yeah, not That's at all. Right. He's not just diddling on the on the no, the keys strings or the keys. Right. He's actually after something. Yeah, yeah what's so really Fred, cool is like when he when he plays, it's like, you know, he'll he'll be talking about the song, goes right into the song, and as he's playing it, he comes right out like he's like doing a radio show and I go, That's so fucking impressive. Now, from a technical standpoint, since I don't play guitar and you do, I thought what was impressive is when he plays notes and chords, how clear and crisp the sound is. You know what I mean? They that, that right, it's right. somehow 
it doesn't sound like he's struggling at all. Do you do you know what I'm talking no, about? Not I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's why his songs are so good. That's what you listen to them, and it's like you can almost fill in the horn parts and the piano parts and everything because he's playing it all on guitar. He's already thought it out. It's like, okay, guys, just follow what I'm doing here. This is the blueprint. Now just use your instruments to play what I played, and that's why everything's so good. Oh, we're Very so impressive. good. Mm. I was listening back to some of the tunes that uh, Bruce played for us, and uh, mm. by the way, that caught me by surprise, and I'll tell you why. Um, I had a brief conversation with Bruce um, about two or three weeks before he came in. We spoke on the phone and he said to me, Howard, what do you want to hear? What songs? And I was, wow, I was blown away because artists never seem to do that with me. They, they're like kind of tell you what they want to do. And uh, I said, oh, whoa, I, I was overwhelmed. So I, I said, can I write you a, a list? And I sent him a list of like 25 songs that are I would consider for me some of the best Bruce Springsteen songs. I couldn't even I mean I could have made a list of 50. Uh, you should get asked John Hine. I have I I wish I still had those Do I still have those pages John of uh, all the songs I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. matter. Do I I'm talking about on the um on the computer. On yeah, this, you have. Um, I do. Okay. Cuz um I I had so many songs that I had picked and when when I when I came in yesterday to the studio, Gary said to me, um, by the way, Bruce said, um, you can ask him about any of those songs. He'll play it. And I was blown away because nobody ever does that. It couldn't. For me, yesterday's um, uh, interview with Bruce Springsteen couldn't have been better. Because, uh, I, you know, I always have this vision of how I want things to go. And I would love to sit in a room with Bruce Springsteen if he had a guitar and a piano. And just sit there and hear how he puts these things together and what he was thinking. Because in my mind, if you could sit with, uh, you know, Beethoven or Mozart or Shakespeare, you know, people who have really influenced the culture, who are that talented, who write that much and are so prolific. If you could have sat with them and put in a time capsule these things, it would have been great if we had that. And with Bruce, I feel, gee, it, it couldn't have gone better because... I, I, my, you know, if I could sit there and he was loose as a goose and started picking up his guitar, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that, maybe these notes, but you know, whatever it is he did yesterday for me was perfect. And I thought Bruce was maybe going to do tougher than the rest and the rising, but he was just, he was all, all over, over the, place. the place. Yeah. Whatever Even you did, said, he could pick up the guitar or run to the piano and start it. Yeah. I wanted to ask him about, um, you know, this Kennedy Center honors that I, I love this performance that he did for Bob Dylan. And uh, all of a sudden he broke into it. You know what I mean? So it, it couldn't have gone better. Well, let me say something about what you just said about how focused he was. You know, you and Fred were just talking about that. He even worked on this interview. You yeah. said to him, here's some songs I'm interested in. Yeah. He went yeah. and learned all of them, made yeah. sure he could recall them. Yeah, wow. So um I was listening to some of um some of the some of the uh, songs that he was doing from yesterday and it was just so good. It's Saturday night. You're all dressed up in blue. And I never heard an explanation from him like this about it was a sales pitch to a woman. Hey, you know, 
I'm not uh, the best looking guy. I don't have the most money. You know, I'm, I'm just a regular Joe. But if, um, if you want a guy who will stay with you, who will be loyal, who really, really loves you, I'm your guy. I'm tougher than the rest. I'll put up with, you know, the, the, the hard times. I'll be there for you. And man, oh man, I mean, uh, and then he breaks into it on the piano. It's just, it's captivating. You're all dressed up in blue. I've been watching you a while. Maybe you've been watching me too. Oh, just me. So somebody ran out. Left somebody's heart in a mess. Well, if you're looking for Uh, one of the fans wrote me listening to Bruce play tougher than the rest and the tears are flowing it's so beautiful hearing this song stripped down with just his voice and the piano amazing stunning moment I said the whole thing was full of feeling everything you felt it here's another one there were chills running up and down my spine listening to Bruce play tougher than the rest on the piano this morning wow one of my all-time favorite bruce springsteen songs a truly beautiful stern show moment and it was uh, the thing that um the thing that really got me was when he was talking about clarence clemens and he was dying here's a guy he worked with uh, i understand that i have people on my show i've worked with for a long time and here his bandmate, who he worked with all this time, he goes to see him in the hospital. Clarence is no longer conscious. He can squeeze your hand. He's transitioning to the other side, as they say. And Bruce takes out his guitar in a room filled with just family members and plays for the last time to Clarence. And then when I said to him, well, what song did you play? And then he, you know, he goes, oh, I played this. And your suitcase. This was the one that got me. Thunder is rolling down this track. You don't know where you're going now But you know you won't be back It was right here Well done mm. <laughs> oh. Me too Lay your head upon my chest We'll take what we can carry And we'll leave the rest Unbelievable Big wheels roll through fields where sunlight streams Meet me in a land of hope and dreams uh, One fan wrote, if you're not in tears listening to Bruce sing Land of Hope and Dreams after telling the story of him playing it for Clarence shortly before his passing, you are not human. Painful yet inspirational. Uh, Howard, I don't know if I'll ever be able to listen to Land of Hope and Dreams again. I cannot believe how the song busted me up. Thinking about a man sitting at the bedside of his dying friend playing that gorgeous piece of music it made me think about losing those close to me. Let this day be Well, tomorrow there'll be sunshine. And all this darkness passed. 
Land of hope and dreams brought me to my knees. I just lost a friend to pancreatic cancer. And I'm thinking of how Bruce sang this to Clarence at his bedside. I have never cried more. Meet me in a land of hope and dreams. There's a whole thing that goes. This train carries saints and sinners. Poor Clarence, his only dream was to have Robin sexually, and she denied him. Uh, well, I didn't that bring was that the up. the other thing. When he yeah. started, you know, he told the story of singing this for Clarence. I was like, I could have been there. <laughs> right. You could have heard that performance. To be alone with you somewhere right now and kind of sit down and go ahead, man. Light a candle and open the window and let's see. Now even this is going to make me sad. You, you should have given him a little something. Oh, I mean, my God. All right, enough of that. Um, no, but, you know, Bruce also... Stop it. Uh, Bruce also said, you know, like, there were little pearls of wisdom he dropped during Indeed. the entire interview. But one of them was, you know, when you were talking about um how did you know how to be in a relationship and how to be a dad when you didn't, you know, get that kind of love or attention when you were a child and he said first you have to be able to imagine it mm. yeah. and then you try to figure out exactly how it's done and i was yeah, thinking about it i said even in his songs they're visions of of possibility right not necessarily yeah. a completed act just like tougher than the rest well you know you it's funny for the day yesterday i was so exhausted when i uh, left the building because it was such an emotional day for me i had always wanted bruce springsteen on the show and uh you know i i, I wanted it but this was the right moment in time to have bruce on and what i mean by that is the, the, the years ago it wouldn't have been the right time and uh for a bunch of reasons and uh, all of my, all of the reasons having to do with my condition and so um you know it was a day where bruce had said to me i think it'd be a lot better if you sit in the studio with me and i agreed to come into the studio and i hadn't been into the radio studio in manhattan for two and a half years or something like that and uh you know so i got up early um, I, I'd come in the day before into Manhattan, hadn't even been in my apartment for a long time and, uh, spent the night there and I spent the night thinking about Bruce and I was like, oh, I just wish I could interview Bruce already. This anticipation and waiting and waiting and waiting. I'd heard the interview in my head for 30 years. You know what I mean? In other words, I had already imagined it and and thought about it a million times over. And uh, so, you know, all of the preparation and I'd been on the phone with John Hine for a couple hours and then and, and, and writing. I was writing down lists and lists of questions and th areas I might want to talk to Bruce about and was kind of overwhelming. It was just like, oh, I just wish I could sit with him and talk to him. It would be great. Just want to do it already. And then I have, you know, I have such kookiness the whole weekend. I was like, 
oh, I hope I don't get sick or get or or some, I, I hope Bruce doesn't get sick. I just want this to happen. I want it to happen already. In fact, there was discussion that the interview should happen on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. And I said to uh, uh, the people here who work so hard on the show, I said, uh, no, 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 do it on the Monday, because Bruce gave us a couple of dates. I said, do it on the Monday. I want to have it happen already. I can't uh, wait any longer. And uh, I didn't know if I wanted it to uh, just be Bruce. Should we do a little bit of show beforehand? Robin didn't know what the hell to do. You know, so oh, all we didn't even know what time the show was going to start yesterday. Remember, you couldn't even say I want to start now or I want to start later. You just said, I don't know. And I, I can't get notes that uh, we'll let you know five minutes before. <laughs> Because we well, because <laughs> I didn't want you to be confused. But at the same point, the, the confusion for me was, you know, one of the uh, things I find most difficult is on the days that we have a guest. I, I'm focused for an hour or two or three hours on, uh, you know, being funny and doing the show. And then I got to switch gears and then suddenly uh, finally get to a Bruce Springsteen interview. So I didn't even know. I didn't even know, like, what the fuck it was going to be. Plus, the studio, we hadn't been there in so long, and all this kind of thing. And it was a lot of setup. And also, uh, Bruce wanted to check the equipment beforehand. How is this all going to come together? So I was overwhelmed with, like, oh, my God, this, that. There's so many details. I could barely focus. Uh, but I was excited. So when I woke up on uh, yesterday morning and I went over to the studio, it was all very emotional because I hadn't been in the building in a while. And all of a sudden, like I saw Otis, the uh, elevator operator, who I hadn't seen in two and a half years. And he goes, hey, Howard. And we were like hugging each other. We had, you know, we hadn't oh. seen each other. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, I said, I missed you. You know, I, was always, I always saw Otis in the morning. And uh, um, and 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 even some of the uh, people in the hallway, security people, just various people. And uh, then when I got to the studio, it was very eerie, very, very eerie, because usually our our facilities, our, our offices at, uh, at Sirius XM are uh, buzzing with people. There's a lot of running around. I'll always see J.D. in his office. I'll see Richard and Sal. But uh, because of um, my paranoia, uh, we, we kept everybody out and it was just it was like a ghost town, the whole mm. studio. There was nobody around. In fact, I started looking around for people. There was no one. Everyone was hiding somewhere, whoever had to be there, but only essential personnel. And so, you know, being back at the studio, I was like, oh, wow. And I went into my office and it was just weird to be in there. I felt like I was seeing it for the first time. But it looked beautiful. Like we have just a beautiful setup at Sirius XM. Don't forget. When I got to Sirius, they gave me the opportunity to build out our own offices and studio. They gave us a nice hunk of space. And I got to design the studio of my dreams, which in radio is unheard of. You know, even some of the top radio guys don't get that. I don't think top radio guys, they dream of getting their own studio. Years ago, I had heard that Rick D's out in California when he was at the, you know, when he was at the height. He he uh, had his own studio, I think. He might have had his own studio. But you don't, you don't, not too many guys get that in radio. And I worked in so many shithole radio stations that, you know, the oh idea God. that. We were lucky to have floorboards under us. 
<laughs> yeah, and I liked um, what I loved. I wasn't doing it to be a uh, prima donna. There was a certain beauty in the crossover with other DJs. But what I didn't like about it is I'm very particular about the settings and the sound of a radio show. And some people, um, when they would use my equipment or use the station's equipment, disagreed with me. So I couldn't get the sound I wanted. Or there uh, were always adjustments to be made, you know, like yeah. you would have to restart every yeah. day trying to find it. Like even after two and a half years, everything on my board and everything in my equipment was the same. It didn't have to be adjusted too much. And anyway, when I walked into the studio, I was alone. Robin wasn't there. Fred wasn't in there. Those two people are always in there. And it was sort of eerie. To be back in there. Uh, and, and, and for Halloween, it was kind of like a haunted kind yeah. of situation. You're walking yeah. in this empty place, roaming around. Yeah. But I was very proud of it and very proud to show Bruce. I wanted Bruce to have the experience, even off the air, of walking in with his uh, his uh, longtime manager, John Landau. I wanted him to see and have a good professional experience where they'd sit in and we'd be seamless easy for bruce to sound check his equipment and try to make sure that uh, he had the best experience possible because you know like i never really uh thought about it before but like when we left k-rock you know that place looked like a junkyard and it was my mother who turned me on to that thought like i was working at k-rock for years and and k-rock was a studio in manhattan and to me my dream was to be on the radio in manhattan so to be to be a K-Rock in Manhattan, in a studio, that was good enough for me. But I remember my mother came up to visit me at K-Rock one of, one of those years. She goes, God, this is just a terrible, dirty, filthy place. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, it's just so run down and, and, and people deserve a nice place to work. And what? why? This is terrible. There's not even a nice chair and the studio is filthy. And I thought about what she said, and I went, you know, she's right. I think radio people in general are so beaten down and and, and whipped that uh, we even think we don't deserve a nice place to work. We're so worthless and, and, and made to feel that way. I know all the years I was working in radio, I always felt kind of disposable. And uh, my goal was to not be disposable, to make it somehow where I would be more important than the music we were playing. And um, so all of a sudden I said, hmm, when we came over to Sirius, they treated us like human beings. Design a studio. Here's a budget and get what you finally need to do the show right. We'll pay to get this show right. And so I was excited for Bruce Springsteen to see our setup. I'm, 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 I'm sure he's never been in a radio studio that nice or that equipped to handle audio. And, and, and several years ago, I had a meeting with the, the entire staff and I said, you know, I think one day we could be the premier place for artists to come. And one of the things that we should work on is getting the best professionals to record the show to when musicians come in, the audio should sound better than any live performance they've ever done. And I got to hand it to our crew. They're so professional. I wrote a note last night to everyone who works on this staff. From the writers to the producers to the engineers to everyone who works on this show because the technical quality recording Bruce, uh, you know, 
I know Bruce appreciates that. This guy puts a lot of effort into his work. We've got to put as much effort into our work. It's got to be the number one place for an artist to come and play his music live. It's just got to be. And uh, I believe that's what we've achieved. I believe that this show has done that. Your mic's out, Rob. Back to it. Yeah. Oh my! Oh, there you are. Oh dear. Yeah. I'm back. All Here right. I'm talking well, about the I'm audio just... quality. Here I'm talking about the audio quality we I mean, when you dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah. it, it's not my sound we're worried about. Right. What were you saying but though? I was saying that you know what's what's amazing is listening back and getting the same feeling. You know, because at one time yeah. we would hear something in the studio and not hear it on the air. Right? Remember those? That's things? right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, my God, they were horrible. And well, now, you're right. I drove oh. home and I put the radio on and I listened to the entire Bruce Springsteen thing back to hear if we had done it justice because I had been sitting in the studio with him and it sounded mind blowing. And sure enough, it sounded fabulous. And that made me happy. You know, there were so many surprises, but, but I should tell you this first. So I'm, so I get into, um, into the radio studio yesterday and because of, uh, my paranoia with COVID, I was all alone. Uh, Gary wasn't in there. Robin wasn't in there. Fred wasn't in there. No, no one. And, um, I looked around and the studio looked beautiful. Four guitars were sitting there. They were Bruce's guitars. And I just was looking at them and I'm like, wow. And, and they didn't look like brand new guitars. You could see these guitars had been worked on. They were his guitars. Yeah. And I just was staring at him because I'm such a fan of music and the way it's made. And to have a guy who's written this many hit songs, I mean, I'm looking at his guitar and I'm looking at the piano and I was wishing I could sit down and play that piano. But of course, I can't. My my teacher killed himself. But I <laughs> was looking at all of this and thinking, oh, my God, I, I just oh, I hope Bruce is in the mood to. To play, who knows? You know, you don't know what mood someone's going to be. You don't know what the night was like before for Bruce. But um, as we got closer and closer to the, the time, you know, I took a break and um, I, I did some last minute prep. And then Bruce was going to come in for a sound check. And he walked in the room and he, this is what a thoughtful guy he is. He immediately uh, said hi, gave me a big hug and we, we shook hands. And then I pureled. Uh, but, um, <laughs> even but, with Bruce, you didn't want any even with Bruce, Bruce on you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, but, um, but Bruce and I hugged and I said, Oh, that's so nice. Cause I, you know, I, it sort of calmed me down, made me feel relaxed. And Bruce goes over to the piano to test it out and to hear the sound. And he starts, I've got Gary, do you remember what Bruce yes. was playing? Yeah. What was oh, he yes. tinkering with? The was first it Thunder Road? Thunder Road. As soon as he sat down, yeah. the beginning of Thunder Road, I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, right. So he starts playing the beginning of Thunder Road, but like not in a, in a very casual way. And those goosebumps and chills start going through me. Like, I'm like, whoa, holy cow, this is electric. Like, I was like, oh, I wish my audience could hear. I wish my audience could hear him just. I, I wish we were just the on the air check. right now. Just the yeah. sound check. Just yeah. quietly checking out the instruments. And then Bruce, and I, I've seen a lot of artists do sound checks and they're a pain in the ass, but, and, and again, um, Bruce was like, so, he goes, this is fine. Like he heard three seconds. He didn't carry on, 
But this is also a testament to our staff because everything was so set up and so prepared and so many run throughs that he, Bruce didn't need to have a problem with it. He knew, he goes, oh, this sounds fine. He goes right away. It sounds fine. I went, yeah, we hit a home run there. Bruce Springsteen thinks this is fine. This is my crew. And I was like, thank you, God, for this crew I have. And then Bruce went over to his four guitars and he was with his sound tech and, um, he picked up one and, uh, it, two of the guitars had different tunings for things that he might want to play. And he started to strum on them. And then he did a vocal check and he started to, I don't know what he was strumming and singing, but he was singing one of his hits. What was he strumming, Gary? I, I was on cloud nine. What was, uh, he started strumming on the guitar, this or that or the other thing. I can't tell you exactly what it was, but it, so it sounded great. And I was like, oh, oh, I wish the audience was already part of this. This is what they should be hearing. The Bruce Springsteen sound check. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to watch that with no sound. You know, like I saw him sitting yeah. there. I saw him at the piano. And I was well, like, what oh, was happening? Geez. I know. I was wishing you could hear it because, uh, I was hoping you could because what happened then is his tech said, Hey, if you want to hear just the show and Howard, hit this button. If you want to hear the mix in your headphones, hit this button. And Bruce is such a casual guy. He just goes, okay, got it. It's fine. Like, wow. No carrying on. No, you know, had it. He was down for it. And then I just, um, I said, I just want to get on the air with this quickly. And I put up the, um, volume of our show and we were in the middle of a Rolling Stones song. And I just interrupted and I went, Hey, Bruce, I am sitting here with Bruce Springsteen. And, uh, and we went right into it and started talking about Halloween. And right from the first moment, I was so blown away because Bruce tells a story that I couldn't believe that he he in his town, he would invite everyone over to his house. The public, basically, to come over, anyone who lived near him in uh, what was it? Freehold, New Jersey. Um, if uh, and and uh, hang out. And he said it was like four thousand people showed up. And that's why, you Eventually, know, it sounds crazy. Four thousand and the whole right. town was locked, you know, shut down. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that not a bigger, like, I can't even, uh, Gary, how is that not something that the, the police had to show up to? I'm trying to figure out how I didn't know about it, because I would have totally been there. <laughs> but um, he, Howard, he, he came to the green room, you know, we just left him be, but there's a guitar in there, and he picked it up. And even that, to be outside the green room, he just picked it up, and he started playing a bunch of different stuff, but he started playing Clean Up Woman, that old song, you know, the Clean Up Woman, and it was just fucking great. Everything well, he was he doing that to warm up a little bit, get his yes. fingers moving? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, oh, he's Rumson, New Jersey, where he lived. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, it's funny. So I didn't have much interaction with anybody, and I was in a room alone. And the other emotional aspect for me was it reminded me of my early days in radio before I was fortunate enough to have a a Robin with me, you know. I mean... Uh, or, or or Fred with me, or Gary with me, or all of the wonderful people who work on this show, yeah. for that matter. I said, you know, I used to sit in a room by myself, and it was just me with Bruce and the guitars and the piano. And uh, instantly, I was emotional. And I felt so connected to Bruce, and I was so grateful to Bruce for doing this for us, for, for the show, for, for the audience. And uh, it was pretty magical. And uh, well, that must have been what it was because I talked to you yesterday, and I said you had a level of um, comfort 
and uh you know like yeah spaciousness you know like it 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 really sounded like two guys who bumped into each other and said hey what are you doing uh, and he had a guitar with him and he just started playing you know it really was that intimate oh and when bruce was just sitting there loose as a goose and i brought up i, I do love the performance that bruce did at the kennedy center honors for bob dylan and i wasn't expecting like i like i figured oh i'd bring it up and he'd talk about it maybe but uh, all of a sudden, he would break into, you know, what he did at the Kennedy Center Honors. I don't have it here in front of me, but, or do I, guys? Uh, thought I did. But it was just great that he would do that. And and then you talk to him about the rising, and then he just broke into it. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. I was sitting there going, I'm sitting in a room with Bruce Springsteen. He's a couple inches away from me, and he's showing me how he writes songs. I've lost track of how far. And I went, "Who the fuck am I? Who? How is this happening right now? This is insane." And my audience is getting to hear this. This is just too much. This is the one Gary started crying. You started crying in the rising, right? I think yeah. I did too. This is the, first of all, it was such an emotional day in general, no, no matter what. And then our kind of experience that day is something that will stick with me forever. People always say, "What's your what's your favorite show?" And I say, "The, the best show we ever did is 9/11 for me." No matter right. what, what went on that day, and you know we were in New York, it was such a shared experience for us. And then the way he captured what happened that day, it really brought me back to that day, and it did make me cry. On wheels of fire. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to forget how I feel during this during this interview. I really don't. I've, I've done so much in my career, and so many amazing things have happened in my career. Some great and some not so great. But uh, this day, Gary, with uh, you getting emotional again, right? It's just fucking yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, I lost it during this one. I never cried on the air in my life. Bruce Springsteen, the first guy ever made me do that. I loved it when he finished and he said it was a prayer because that was all I could think of that day. Lord, as I stand before. But he's sitting there playing, and I'm like, man. This is so good, and there's something about his voice and his um, the, the, the certain notes he hits with his voice. It was just fucking unbelievable. I never had such an experience. I was so moved by him. And um, and yet, and even like the, the Kennedy Center things, I just thought he'd talk about the times they are a changing. But then all of a sudden, he goes, "Oh yeah, I did this." Admit that the waters around you have grown Except that that sling will be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Where the times they are a change 
was going through my head was, I was like, thank God for this guy, like the great artist, that, and I'm getting to sit with this guy, like like this guy moves people, and and, and he can sing and he can play. Um, you know, like I sometimes think about, like Pete Townsend is brilliant, and what a genius he is, he doesn't get to sing his own songs, he has Roger do it, Bruce gets to sing his own songs, and he does them perfectly, and um, when he was doing this, I was just like so grateful to him. Uh, but for doing all this, yeah. I would say the 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 songs were amazing, but the interview was really one of the best parts because this is a guy who's been interviewed a lot of times, right? You've seen him do a lot of things, and yet yesterday there were things I'd never heard before. There were revelations, and as much as I love the Broadway show, because yesterday felt a lot like the Broadway show. Right. The Broadway show where, where the audience was allowed to ask questions during the show. That's what right. that was. Well, you know what was the triumph for me and the best part of this? And all I really wanted out of this is to hear Bruce say he was happy with oh. what went down. And um, afterwards, Bruce and I took a few photos together, which, by the way, depressed the fuck out of me when I saw him later. Boy, do I look bad. Oh, I mean, no. Stop. Bruce looked, Bruce looked handsome. And here's another thing. But they asked Bruce, do you approve of these pictures? He goes, oh, yeah, use anything you want. He looked at it for three seconds. I looked at him. I go, you can't use any of these. I look horrible. <laughs> Cut me out you of it. You went over them like they were the most important document ever created, and then you rejected them. I've really aged, you know. I'm sure. Uh, oh. I'm sure people are shocked when they see me. I've just gotten old, you know. And uh, it's it's depressing to me. Do you th do you in your mind do you think you because I know the answer to this. Do you think you look older than you did two and a half years ago? Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't. No, man, but do you think you look your age? I'm lucky I have a full head of hair and it's dark. I don't dye it. Um, so that does keep me a little more youthful looking. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I look in the mirror. Well, when I look in the mirror, I think I don't I don't look too bad. I, I'm, I'm like young looking. And then I saw that picture and I went, whoa. But anyway. Well, pictures are tough. Pictures are tough. You know. Bruce was hotter at 73 than I've been at any point in my life. And that's even more depressing. And and I, and I even said to my wife, I, Bruce claims he has no work done on his face. And that's he depressing. He didn't look like he had any work done. No. You know, I, I wish he had said he did because I'd go get, get a touch-up. <laughs> I need something. <laughs> you know what, though? Look, my philosophy is we're all going to get old. We're all going to look like this. But um, in any case, and, and if you keep keep poking at it, it I doesn't know. wind up looking very natural. Well, the the important thing to me was, hey, hey Gary. Just by the way, I, I know you, you, Gary's a big Bruce Springsteen. When he did Thunder Road, too, that oh. was beautiful. Oh, just magnificent. But, and, and I was explaining to somebody who isn't a big fan, right? That that song's a rockin' song. Like, that's a huge guitar yeah. solo at the end and a huge sax solo. And But Bruce explaining, like, I write these songs from the beginning. They should be able to be played like the way I just played it. And then we could put all that other stuff in. That was interesting when he said that. He said, if, if it's a really good song, I should be able to play it alone. And, and uh... boy, what a gem this guy is. Oh, this already got me. Does anyone evoke emotion like this? I mean, not all 
the time in every slams. <laughs> Mary's dress ways. Vision, she dances across the porch as a radio play. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me, and I want you only. <laughs> I'm just turn me on so again. moved by this. I just can't even. I like. Alone again. I I, I was going to ask him about Rosalita because I love what that song's Don't about. It's like Bruce. <laughs> Bruce uh, was dating a girl, and the mother hated him so much because she felt he was a loser. And I wonder if Bruce has ever, like, like knocked on that door and said, Hey, good move telling your daughter not to be with me. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Rosalita. <laughs> yeah, Rosalita, but, but yeah. I, I didn't expect... Story. Yeah. Even that story, like, again... Who gets a restraining order against a 15-year-old boy? Like, how crazy have you been? Well, I mean, so I love that. I love the whole theme of that song. And I and it takes me back, too, because Rosalita is a song when I played, when I worked in progressive radio and I forgot my first job. Uh, I would play Bruce Springsteen a lot on the radio. And uh, Rosalita I would play. And I didn't really know what the song was about. I liked the length of the song, too, because I could, you know, compose myself. Um, but but uh, I didn't expect him yesterday to go into Rosalita and start playing it on on guitar. I didn't expect this. He was just loose as a goose and giving so much to us. I liked hearing him be excited about a line he wrote all those years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, so after the interview. Here's somebody who wrote, Bruce Springsteen talking about Rosalita this morning is worth every penny I paid to purchase a lifetime subscription to Sirius back in 2006. I can't believe he played it acoustically. Uh, that was a big deal to a lot of people because they'd never heard it performed that way. But um, after the interview, when we turned off the microphones, Bruce, um, you know, we, we took some pictures, sat on the couch. I thanked him a million times. He told me what a great time he had. He loved the format of it. He loved the whole thing. And then he left, and I was sitting there in a room myself, and I was packing up my stuff, and Gary came in and told me uh, something or other about John Landau was had had been in the uh, waiting room. John Landau's his manager, Bruce's manager. And I was a fan of Landau, and I loved the way that he was a writer at Rolling Stone. I love his whole history. I just talked to Jan Wenner about John Landau, and I love the fact that like a writer became Bruce Springsteen's manager. Like He took a guy who wrote, Oh, there's a spider. Fuck, he's scary. Let me. Uh oh. Well, come on, you're a hero now. Oh, get that shit. spider. You fucking spider. He came right down out How of the ceiling. How did spider get in there? Did I get him? He just lowered from the gosh darn. I don't know. There's been like so many spiders in here lately. I know you said something the other day about taking care of a spider. I don't think I got him. I'm afraid. I don't want to knock us off the air here by hitting these buttons. Oh, he's on the equipment. Right. <laughs> Spider. What the hell? Getting attacked. I came to get you, Howard. <laughs> oh, shut up, Spider. You killed my brother. <laughs> this fucking Halloween won't end, I tell you. No, he lowered himself from the ceiling on like a, on a string, on a web. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, that's what they do. Mm. It's really fascinating how they do that. 
I should let him bite me. I hope he's radioactive and I turn into Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that. radioactive in your house, Howard, that would have uh, affected a spider. I don't know. My balls are pretty red hot, Robin. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, uh, just to fill you in on the rest of this story, because I think it's worth repeating. So uh, Gary said that John Landau was around. I said, oh, is he still here? I'd love to meet him. So John was still there, and so was Bruce, and they came back in the studio, and we stood around for five or ten minutes and talked about stuff, uh, which was great. And I thank John Landau, because I know he influences Bruce, and, and uh, you know. If he had and, been uh, against Bruce doing this, Bruce wouldn't have done it, probably. And John said to me, I don't think he'd mind me telling you this. He said to me, man, he says, I've sat through a lot of Bruce interviews. This was the best thing I've ever heard. And I was like, oh, thank you, John. Thank you so much. Well, Howard, you know what you, Bruce, thank you, what, thank you, thank you. You know what Bruce said that really blew me away? It was almost like he was marveling. And he said, he said, man, I've done a lot of interviews. He goes, but I don't think I've done anything ever quite like that. Wow. Well, I felt great. And then afterwards, I, you know, I was, I had such like a headache because I think the headache was out of relief. Like, like I could finally wind down and got in my car and was reminding how much I hate New York City traffic as I sat there, did not moving. <laughs> yeah. But, all the um, traffic is back. Yeah. And I do this thing after I have a guest on the show. I always call a guest. I say, Gary, give me their number so I can call them and thank them. And. Without further ado, I looked down at my phone. I'd had my phone off. Bruce had already called me and texted me. And I oh, couldn't wow. believe it. He beat me to the punch. And I was like, and I was even thinking, I better not bother him. He's probably exhausted. Two and a half hours, he's probably had enough of me. But this guy right away, man, he was just like, hey, Howard, I, I, you know, he, 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 he said some nice things to me on the text. And we ended up calling each other and talking. And uh, he was just so pleased and it made me so happy. And then he texted me later on and he said, Patty said, best interview ever. And uh, wow. that really made me feel good. That really made me feel good that Patty was listening and she heard it. And uh, what can I tell you? It was uh, I was just my head was spinning. And then I called. Uh, of course, I called uh, Bruce Springsteen Maven, uh, Ross Zapin. And I, called, I wondered uh, about the Ross review. Yes. Well, I called <laughs> my wife. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I called my wife first because she knew. Uh -huh. Like I was, I had locked myself in a room for hours. Uh, I was unavailable for yeah. the entire three days before I interviewed him, and uh, you know, so she wanted to know how it went. And uh, I spoke to. Um, uh, then I guess I called Robin. I spoke to her. I might have spoken to Robin first, and we had a long discussion. I told you I called Fred for some bizarre reason, and of course I got no satisfaction there. He he was. Unavailable. I wish you called me. Oh yeah, and I, that, I did. Called, I did call Gary at some point. I had I, called, I had a three hour boner during that interview yesterday. Just want you to know that, <laughs> and I lost consciousness eighteen times. And I got I got great feedback from the fans. I got a lot of emails and things that I could I could sit there and read them all day to you. Thank you for that, and then. But uh, I got to say, and I heard from uh, a lot of different friends of mine and people who all were listening and enjoyed it. But the best uh, thing I got, Gary sent me last night, and I'm not going to read it because it's personal, but I got an email, an email from from Max Weinberg, the oh. drummer for the E Street Band and one of uh, Bruce's, of course, insiders. And he wrote me a note about it. And uh, I got to tell you, it made my day. 
I couldn't wow. believe what he wrote. And it really got me so And you're happy. not going to share any of it? No. No, because I don't know that he wants me reading it on the air. Right, Gary? I didn't, I didn't get the impression he was writing it for the air. I know. Um, no. Yeah. But Max... But, but, uh, no, just the gist of it, though. You know, anything. Yeah. So, anyway... Uh, you know, and I called Gary and I said, Gary, I know how hard you work to get Bruce on the show. How many years? 35 years? <laughs> Something yeah. like that. I, I'll tell you, and, I really, um, I actually cried three times yesterday. Two of them were from Bruce and one of them was in the middle of the interview. I got a text from my son, from Lucas, and he said, Dad, I know how long you've worked on this and I know what this oh. means to you. I'm so proud of you. I hope this day is as great as you hope it will be. And it was great, was it not, Gary? It was. It was. It was. It was great. By the way, I worked 30 years to call Bruce Springsteen to get him on the air, and, but then I finally realized I was calling the wrong Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh. Right. What was the story, Gary, <laughs> about... Um, about um, well, I know the story that your kids thought Bruce Springsteen was related to you because you went to so many what? of his shows. Um, <laughs> the kids were like, is Bruce Springsteen a, a relative of ours? They, uh, we were at dinner one night and, and I'd been going to so many shows. You know, I'd say to Mary, like, Hey, I'm, I'm this weekend. Ross and I are going to Toronto. We're going to Buffalo. We're going to Cleveland. We're like traveling like deadheads. And Lucas was like seven and he just said, Dad, are we related to Bruce Springsteen? Because we just <laughs> talked about it every night at dinner. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I know there was also a thing where someone called Gary, I don't know who, and said, are you going to be okay when you're bringing oh. Bruce Springsteen into the... Who said that to you? That was my other son. He's a, We talk every Sunday. And he said, so you're going to get to meet Bruce? And I said, well, I'll bring him in for the sound check. And it was a long pause. He goes, you going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine, kid. Calm down. Yeah, but, but Gary I'm, said so to me, cute. but Gary said to me, he goes, he told his son he'd be fine. But then he said to me, I don't know if I'm going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Howard, if, if we're I worried about on. Gary. I didn't know right. what, how he would do. He was very it, professional. You were very no, professional but, yesterday. He was, he you was, were great. He was great. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, I do have to say that I got a call from Bruce's manager last night and he had many accolades, but the one that really made me happy it made me happy to be able to call howard and tell him was he said being there reminded him of what it's like before a bruce show very similar lockdown no drama everything's good super professional and that made me happier than anything yeah that made me happy too because uh for john landau to say that um you know we run a pretty tight ship despite you know all the cock and ball humor we um we run a pretty tight ship, and I I wanted to show Bruce a good experience, and the fact that uh, John Landau felt like, hey man, this was not some bullshit fucking um you know operation. We all felt good. Yeah, I didn't walk into um, a circus or you know yeah. some clown situation. Yeah, and I I feel like our organization is a reflection of me, and um if it if it isn't run like that. Because that's how I, when I go to TV shows and do them, I don't do them that much anymore, but when I go and if I'm treated in a way that to me isn't professional, I just get completely turned off. I do not like it. So, you know, if I'm going to have a guest on my show, I better damn well treat him the way I want to be treated. So, you know, in a way, whatever Bruce and, and John Landau experienced to me was what I would want to experience. If I was a guest on a show. And so, uh, you know, that's, that was really fucking great. And, 
And uh, John Landau's been around the block. This guy's seen it all. And, uh, you know, for him to say that, that was great. And that's a reflection of all the hard work we put in and the staff puts in. They did. They work around the clock with this stuff. So anyway, it was great. Just great. You know, really great. I know there's a lot of people who want to talk about Bruce. I'll take a couple of phone calls and then we'll move on. And how, did, think, how do you come down from a thing like that, Howard? I mean, like, I know you were in the car and you had this headache. Oh. And, you know, then you had this long drive. But, you know, you've also come off this amazing high. I couldn't like, come down. What? Yeah. I, I, what I did was I... I uh, I hadn't. I I got home and I exercised for an hour, trying to just calm the fuck down. You know, nothing better than uh, throwing around those three pound weights and really putting <laughs> my masculinity yeah. into. Uh, you really worked it <laughs> <yeah>. out. <laughs> yeah, man. Nothing better than benching fifteen pounds of solid metal <laughs> to really work out and get that body going. You know, there's no better stress buster than that. Yeah, I got to tell you, when I was curling those five-pound weights, <laughs> I knew I was calming down. But, um, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was weird. I, I First of all, I couldn't calm down from being in the studio and the Bruce thing. And, and Bruce and I were texting. And at some point I go, we're texting longer than, than uh, I go. He must be sick of me. I felt self-conscious. I was like, <laughs> we had this huge text chain going. And then, oh, this is funny. One of the first people to write me after the Bruce interview was Dan Foreman, who used to uh, oh. be uh, our producer at our old TV show. And uh, Dan now is a big hotshot uh, executive producer at CBS News. He wrote me this long email that I was reading and was fabulous about what he felt because he's a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And uh, I sent it to Bruce. I said, Bruce, you got to read this. This is just <laughs> and, and Bruce was like, yeah, this guy gets it. When I told Dan that I sent his email to Bruce, he was like, get, get oh, the fuck out of here. It. I said, no, I wanted him to see it. But Dan was like beside himself, you know. Amazing. Uh, yeah, just beside himself. Um, but I couldn't calm down. I, I really couldn't. And last night I, I went to bed. I was so, my head was pounding and I, I just laid down on the pillow. Uh, my wife and I were watching Bachelor in Paradise, uh, of course. Bachelor uh, Paradise couldn't even calm you down. <laughs> no, it couldn't calm me down. She fell asleep almost immediately. I was so upset because I love Bachelor Paradise, and that usually calms me down. But uh, she fell asleep, so I know that means I have to pause it. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to end up watching the same thing over again. And I just turned out the lights. I fell right asleep. But, of course, I woke up at 2 in the morning, and I couldn't calm down. I was There was Bruce Springsteen music in my head, everything from the show I mean, you know, like everything was like, you know, I'm hearing the rising in my head. And I'm, and I'm like, two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, the rising, come on. And I'm like, holy shit. I, I mean, I need to call Bruce. Come on up for the rise. And I and I started to fantasize. I said, you know, because Bruce said at the end of the interview, uh, anytime you need me, I'll come in. And I went uh, or something like that. And I went, I need you tomorrow, because in my mind, believe it or not, as 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 perfect as a moment that was for me, I come rolling down here. In my mind, I could have seen him just reconvening the next day. We had our guitars. We had our piano. Part two and then part three. 
And then maybe I could have covered it all. Come on up for the ride. Um, so, you know, and then I, I started to stress out about, oh, gosh, all the questions I didn't ask him. I got to save them. I got to write John Hine right now and save those questions because I want to get back to it. And blah, 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 blah. You know, I drive myself crazy. So it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm up. And, and then Beth goes, what are you doing up? I said, I, I took out my Kindle and I started reading the New York Times and then I wanted to throw up because I'm reading about our political situation. And I uh, said, I better put this away. I'm getting yeah, all upset. Don't do that. Yeah. Like people making fun of what happened to Nancy Pelosi. I'm like, fuck, you got to be kidding. This is the darkest thing. People are now threatening public officials. And if they don't do their bidding, we're going to, we're going to go get them. I mean, what would we, it's like a public And lynching. then other people who are supposed to be. Um, in charge and know what they're doing are laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. I was like flipping out. So I put away the Kindle. I fell back asleep a little, but, uh, I really, it's, it's, it's going to take me a while to fully calm down from that. Well, it, it was um, a, a major, major, what I, what I said in, I just wrote you a little text. I didn't want to, you know, elaborate. I had to call you. I had yeah. to call you. I mean, I needed and to. And I just said it was an accomplishment. It was just like an incredible accomplishment. The weird thing is, my mother, um, you know, who's completely out of it, she, um, her aide texted Beth. For some reason, no one texts me, but the aide texted Beth and said, um, um, Howard's mother wants to know how the Bruce Springsteen interview went. Wow. So Beth says to me, you you should call your mother right now and tell her. I go, oh, that, that's my first reaction. I go, oh, because it, first of all, my mother's got to get a whole. When I call, there's like a 10 minute wait for her to set up the phone. And so she, even though she got the new hearing aid so she can hear. And then there's a lot of you know back and forth between me and my mom of like, mom, can you hear me? How do I know if I can hear you? Keep talking. I'm a mom. I'm A, B, C, D. Why are you reciting the alphabet? <laughs> I'm reciting it so I can keep talking. Can you hear me? Of course I can hear you. Am I in the twilight zone? You know, it's a lot of fucking energy. And I didn't have it. I had a massive headache from the relief of the Bruce Springsteen interview being over. And I, I was just like, holy moly. But Beth kind of guilts me into being a human being. And she, you know, thank God for her because she says, you know, you have to call your mother. You have to call your mother and you have to tell her she's interested in something. Finally, let's, uh, yes, you know, let's, this is yeah. like major. She has not been interested. And then I'm like, mom, can you hear me? Why do you talk so fast? I go, mom, <laughs> I'm not talking fast. What it is, you have trouble hearing. I, I'm not talking in a rapid way. It feels like you're talking very fast and you don't understand. Not everyone can hear you. No, Mom, everyone can hear you but me. <laughs> I mean, I go, and, you know, and then I start feeling, well, maybe I'm not a good communicator. I am, now she's accusing me of talking fast. And I go, Mom, I don't talk fast. I'm a professional <laughs> broadcaster. This is on you, not me. Imagine, I talk. Everything's a fucking criticism. So when Beth <laughs> says, you've got to call your mother and guilts me into it, I go, uh, just write back to the aide to tell her that uh, everything was fine. And then I felt guilty. And, of course, I called. And then the usual setup. <laughs> Mom, can you hear me? I hear you, but say something. I'm saying something now. But I'm. Eh. So we got on and I said, uh, she goes, 
how and, and then of course we talk all over each other because she came and I go, Mom, I want to tell you about how did the Bruce Springsteen interview go? <laughs> I go, Mom, it was wonderful. Bruce was amazing. It was just, oh, yeah, that's good. And, 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 like, her reaction even is like, I'm like, why am I calling, you know? I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> and, I st- and I go, yeah, you know, he sat and he played music and there was a piano. Beth bought me the pants that I wanted. Thank God for her. <laughs> Mom, I'm telling you about Bruce Spring. I thought you wanted to know. You told me it went well. I'm glad. I'm glad you did well. You listen, you're a good interviewer. You do a good job. I always say. <laughs> I said, yes, yes. It was. I was trying to tell her the emotional aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, really share the experience with her. Well, she had um, had the aide text Beth that she needs pants because my mom's like, she's bone thin now. She's lost so much weight. You know, she's finally ready for a modeling career. She's so hot. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, go buy her some bikinis. She's, she's now she's she's got the big tits and the skinny waist. Get her some wings. She can be in the Victoria's <laughs> Secret place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, we're sending you some wings. Victoria's Secret wants you to model. So, uh, but like in the middle of telling her about Bruce, it's like, uh, yeah, it's a, a Beth sent me the pants. <laughs> what an angel. What an angel. Mom, she's sending you nine pair of pants. What is she doing? Why so many? That's too many. And I'm picturing my mom because she has no energy and she's got to try on all nine pair. I go, Mom, nobody knows your size. Beth doesn't know if you're a medium or a, a small. So she had to buy several. Pa- I only need one pair. Where am I going? <laughs> mom, you asked for pants. We're sent, we sent them to you. Whatever you don't want to wear, we'll send back. How are you going to do that? Who's going to do that? There's a box. We'll talk to your aide. She'll send back the pants you don't want. You think they'll know how to do that? Oh, my goodness. Yes, they will. We'll talk to them. Oh, well... I'll try them on. I'm only going to keep one pair of pants. Mom, listen to me again. Keep any pair that fit and send back the ones that don't. Yes. And you don't have to be nervous. Try. You can take your time. Try on one pair a day. That's right. I... I have the physical therapist tomorrow. I don't know if I'll be able to try on pants. Oh, my God. Well, I said, well, wait, do the physical therapy. You know, my mother only does one thing a day. <laughs> then lays in the bed, like collapsing, like she's unconscious. I go, Mom, so the ne- the, at the, not tomorrow, the day after, try on a pair or two. Do you think two? Uh, two, three, maybe. I don't know. I said, look, just try on as many as you want and keep the ones you want. How's that? I only need one pair. Keep everything that fits. Tell her she needs two pair at least. I mean, What if she spills something? Robin, the woman has a long day of doing nothing. (laughs) And then she's worried she's not going to be able to try on the pants. This is what I'm dealing with. I mean, you know, she was always like this. (laughs) Not just because she's 95. So I said, I said, look, mom, 
you'll try the pants on, and and, and right in the middle of it, she goes, thank God for Beth. Thank God for <laughs> Beth. And I'm sitting there. Here we go with the Beth routine. How about thank God for Howard? You know what I mean? But all right. Yeah, here we go. Howard's here day. We go. Howard called about the interview. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I go, yes, Mom, Beth is wonderful. I must have done something right in my life to deserve Beth. What? Yeah. And th- exactly. Where are you when I make these calls? I'm like, what? First of all, that's what a husband says about his wife. Yes. I, 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 How did I she get Beth into her I, life? That's, I, she acts like I had nothing to do with getting <laughs> Beth into her life. And I want to correct her. I want to say, Mom. <laughs> no, I did something right to get Beth, and you had me. That's all you did. Beth is an angel to help me out and to do for me. What did I do to deserve such an angel? Oh what did I do to have Beth? What did I do? And here we go. I go, Mom, you know what you did? You were a wonderful mother, and you took care of me, and you raised a family. Now I go through the mantra of making my mother, pumping her up. We had, you did everything right. You, you know, I got a laundry list of things I write down. <laughs> you told me to go, you know, to I, that I didn't like my job at the advertising agency, and you advised me, and then you were good to dad, and you married the right guy, and you were good to your family, and you cooked meals every. You're right, you're right. I was good. I must have been good to have Beth. Yes, you were. All right, Mom. I gotta go now. This was a wonderful conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mom, it was great. I'm doing great. Oh, my goodness. Here I'm full of myself. I just interviewed Bruce Springsteen. Bruce loved it. Robin loved it. Everyone loved it. And this is my life. I'm... (laughs) I'm sitting there. This people think I must be out partying. I'm on the phone with my mother, calming her down. Beth is such an angel. I before I die, I want to find a better man for Beth. What's she doing with you? How <laughs> oh, my son? Aren't we fortunate that Beth likes gross? Ugly men who didn't go to Ivy League schools. Thank God she didn't want an Ivy League man. Oh, yes, Mom. We're very lucky. All right. All right. I got to go, Mom. You have a good night. All right. Everybody calm down. There you go. You'll uh, never, ever, ever get too big a head. Big head. Big head. Yeah. One day I'm going to feel real good about myself. (laughs) You know, when Bruce was talking yesterday... I'm like, this guy's got such an awareness. He said most performers, particularly, you know, narcissistic, you know, including himself and me, they have one parent who knocks them down and they have one parent who thinks they're Jesus, the second coming of Christ. And boy, that was my, man, growing up, my mother was like, you have to go out in the world, be my representative, blah, blah, blah. And my father was like, he's a moron. You know, like, like, like Bruce hit it right on. The, I mean, Bruce, 
<laughs> Hit it right on the head. Let's this go to a couple of... This is the perfect combination to create a great artist. Is that if what you, you're saying? <laughs> he's right. I finally... I'm going to write a book about how to raise children. Someone choose the role of calling your kid an idiot every day and telling him he's worthless and doesn't know how to do anything. And the other one just say, come here, sit on my lap in the dark. You could be my representative on Earth every day. You should dress like you're going to meet the governor. Yeah, you got to do good cop, bad cop on these kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. You get a Bruce Springsteen. Oh, my and your problems God. are over. Anyway, uh, a lot of people are on the phone want to share their feelings about Bruce. Let's do a couple of those and then we'll move on. Let's go to Nancy in New Jersey. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, Howard. Howard, longtime fan forever. Listen, you did the most amazing, amazing interview. Well, Bruce, I, uh, was, Bruce was on fire, man. He was the best. But everything was. was so organic. You know, the way you brought everything out, and then he, he would well, strum the song. You know, I, I was like worked. thinking to myself, like, I, I can't believe he's singing this. Now. You know, crying, Me too. crying, crying. Me too. I'm, crying. I'm right there. But you know what, Nancy? I'm right there with you. Thank you. All right. Enough with the uh, phone calls. But, but Howard, again, you're yeah. you're not letting people yeah, I don't want tell to. you they appreciated what you did. I don't. That's not uh, for me. So what? No, I'm not comfortable with that. People, no, uh, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with it. That's it. But so you're you're cutting them off. You're not being polite at even. All right, all right. I'll be polite. I'll do it. Let me let me let me try again. Okay. All right. Eli, hi. You're on in Canada. Hi, Eli. Hey there, Howard. Hey, Robin. Hey, Fred. Uh, you know, I mean, I know you don't like to take compliments so well, and I can understand that, and you kind of feel like Tony Soprano's mother dealing with your mom is like Tony Soprano and his mom. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, I, and I get that. I understand that I'm going with, to that with my mom as well, too. But, yeah, you have to, you and your staff have to give yourselves all major praise for what you did yesterday. I mean, that, and, you know, you've come such a long way. Not that you have to hear this from me, but you've come such a long way uh, from where you used to be and listening to Bruce and listening to everybody and going through just the motions of, of the interview. So, you know, major kudos to you and Gary and everybody who just put that together. It was very, very fantastic. And I got to say, I speak for, I think, a lot of people the emotions that we all endured yesterday was probably like nothing. And I don't know where you, where you go to from this, uh, or, you know, if you write another book, I know Conan O'Brien was like, you know, you say was the best interview you ever had, but does that change after yesterday? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yesterday was mind blowing to me. I taught, that's why I tried to tell you how I felt. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it was, it was the best radio experience ever. Yeah, what can I say? It. You fantastically did it. And, uh, yeah. I mean, what a way to end October. Let's just say that. By the way, Eli, I'm glad you Was brought that up. Was there October? Well, Robin, <laughs> <clears throat> I feel October got short shrift. And yes. I want to make an announcement. I want to make a big announcement. And I think everyone will love this. I am extending October a little bit into Cockvember. Because uh, we were supposed the, to have a decathlon or something. All right. <clears throat> let me give you, let me give you, Eli, thank you for the words. Um, just so everyone knows, the decathlon is happening. It's happening tomorrow. Uh, we're extending October into November for Cockvember. 
and uh, everyone uh, is... October wasn't long enough? Uh, we, no. This, how did we, we miss it? Uh, <laughs> let me... Cockvember. Two more cock inches of cock. Right. Cockvember. Into November. Thank you. Cockvember. Cockvember. <laughs> Two more inches. <laughs> So um, it's going to be a big day tomorrow. Let me tell you what you're going to hear. Okay. First of all, Whack Packer Medicated Pete, a big show favorite, will open up the festivities by singing the official Cocktober anthem, Purple Vein. And he's going <laughs> to sing it live into his giant penis. He's going to have a microphone oh attached to his penis. That's right, Robin. That's going to kick it off tomorrow. Medicated Pete. Then Sal and Richard will compete in a three-cock-related sporting event. And this is their first appearance in studio in two and a half years for actual cock Vember. Huh. After Pete sings Purple Vein, Sal and Richard will compete in the most difficult competition we, and the most disturbing-looking competition you've ever seen. Fully nude penis fishing. The boys are going to catch toy fish out of each other's ass cracks using their cocks as fishing poles. Uh, boys, I heard it looks like full-on gay sex. <laughs> it does. It feels <laughs> like it, too. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, did you guys yeah, rehearse? We, yes, oh, we did. Oh, we did. Very extensive rehearsals, hours. What and, is uh, the story I heard that Sal like took his shit before you had to go fishing in his <laughs> asshole, and then he didn't wipe? Is, oh, oh, I thought he was stunk. Gonna, yeah. It stunk. It stunk, yeah. I'm the I'm usually known for stinking. He was bad. Yeah, it was I gave you what a taste happened? of your own medicine. <laughs> yeah, but at least I I wiped, well, I showered, I shaved for tomorrow even Howard. I'm fully shaved now, so I'm going to be clean for tomorrow. So why not wipe? I mean, that's even for your that's really uh, a low. I did wipe. It was the nerves prior to this event. This is a big event. I take it seriously. So I had some nerves and I had to take a monster shit before the event. Then we went into rehearsal. So I did wipe my ass. Maybe there was a few streaks on the sides of my cheeks that I wasn't aware of, but I did wipe my ass. A couple of things I heard. Richard's ass is covered in zits. That's, oh, it's uh, disgusting. It looks like what? the back of a, a crunch bar. What happened? <laughs> oh, what a picture. Uh, what happened, Richard? Why, why all the zits? Is it from not washing? No, you know, I mean, I wash more. I'm married now, so I wash a lot more than I used to. But I, uh, it's probably from sweating a lot. I sweat a mm. lot. And Your I ass get sweats. Little, yeah, I get musty huh. down there. Even after I, I start sweating it right after I step out of the shower. So... It's you should switch that. to Tommy John underwear. I'm not joking. My I ass really never should. Sweats. Yeah, I, good, I love it. I'm then, a good it's a free point, plug. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the boys are going to do penis fishing. Did you see Sal uh, Richard's asshole where that skin thing oh is growing? Oh, my God. Howard, it, it, it looks like a door, like a flap that covers his asshole. It's crazy. It's like, <laughs> it's like I swear to you, it's like if you ripped off a piece of bologna and you stuck it near his asshole. It's disturbing. It's like my ass is a turkey, like that little gobbler thing below What I love so much about Richard is he's got a serious something going on back in his asshole, like a medical condition, and he laughs about it. He just right. thinks it's great. You know? He, I mean, he I just mean, gets an extra flap of skin, and he right. doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't like, do anything about it. He goes, uh, 
something going on back there. I, don't know. I got a tumor in my ass. Ain't that funny? I, I got a tumor. i in the face with it. Hey, Sal, I'm yeah. dying. Yeah, I got three weeks to live. Uh, anyway, uh, the boys will compete with penis fishing. And uh, from what I understand yes. is you guys are almost laying on top of each other as you try to fish with your penis little little magnetic fish out of uh, each other's assholes is that correct okay That's so yeah. i'm trying to get a pic so the penis is the rod right that, there you go yes. okay. Yeah. okay and the fish is in the ass cheek and we we have to bend down and basically put our dicks in each other's butts to get to the fish <laughs> well uh good you guys will finally finally get to be with one another in a romantic <laughs> way. Uh, then the boys, I don't want to give away too much, but then the boys are going to compete in Taekwondong, which is a yes. fierce competition to see who can chop through the most pieces of raw spaghetti with only their penis. Wow. And, uh, it's funny, and then, uh, Howard, because you have to swing your dick down to chop the spaghetti, so yeah. you have to almost jump and make your dick like fly down to chop it. It's funny looking. So, in other words, you can't use your hands, no right, hands uh, at all, right? Oh. So, Howard, envision a, karate, envision a karate chop. This is a karate flop, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then finally, the third event. And I should mention in uh, Taekwondong, Gary and JD will be holding the spaghetti. You know, yeah. it's so it's oh, so ironic Lord. that the boys, uh, <laughs> by the way, will be performing all of this right where Bruce Springsteen's piano was, uh, right in that area, <laughs> the studio. <laughs> it's hard to believe. I wonder if I, yeah. Howard. I wonder if Lucas yeah. is going to text Gary over this one. How did it yeah. go today, Dad? How big a day is this, Dad? Oh, I cried after the, the decathlon. Oh yeah, what happened? Lucas texts him. He says, "Dad, what was it like holding the spaghetti for Sal?" And he jumped up and down and cut up with his. Penis. Are you going to be okay? Uh, we're going from the most incredible moment of my career to the lowest. Which is uh, yes. always typical. We're honored, Howard. We're honored. Also, also, the boys will be performing pole in one, pole in one, where they'll use their penises as golf clubs to hit a ball into their opponent's asshole, which is a really, that's the top event. You wait till you see yes. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, boys confident? Do you feel like you'll be able to perform? Absolutely. Yeah, we did good in the rehearsal. You know, yeah. we were a regular Tiger Wood. Know, last year, Sal choked. During yes, October. but that was peeing, Robin. This is different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, Robin. He couldn't pee during October, right? He got nervous. Yeah. Um, He's shy. He's shy, yeah. To close uh, the decathlon, uh, actor Michael Rappaport will be in. He uh, has a beef with Richard. He feels Richard was disrespectful to him in some way. And Richard said, well, oh, then yeah. you punish me and spank me. And Michael's going to come in and teach Richard a lesson for abusing their fantasy football league rules. <laughs> um, here's how it started on the air, just so you remember, so you're ready. Uh, here it is. Richard, what are you implying here? You want to be nude and spanked by yes. Michael Rappaport? <laughs> I want him to bend. I'll be fully nude. Michael can be wearing yeah. clothes, but I want oh, him yeah. to bend me over his knee and spank oh, yeah. me. Oh, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. For misusing the Rappaport, IR spot. <laughs> Rappaport's a pretty, you know, hefty guy. You know, he's strong. He ain't, he ain't a weakling. Do you imagine how red and raw oh your God. ass will be if he spanks yeah. you? I know, but Are you I, crazy? Need to, I need to learn my Howard, lesson. I'm doing something Howard, wrong. If you, get that, if you get that hillbilly freak to come into the city, right? I'll stay right now on the air 
You could take your clothes and I'll, and how many spanks do I get, Richard, you kinky freak you? <laughs> as many as you think it takes for me to learn my lesson. And then I will take oh. Friermuth out of my IR, IR spot. Not, not, not a problem. Well, uh, we're going to cram a month's worth of cock and ball segments into one hour of madness. Uh, that's my vow to in you, November. the audience. Oh in November. In Cockvember. Yes, it's just a little extent. It's Cockvember with a dick catalog. Yeah, you got a great cock. We're going to really uh, try to, you know, because people were like, wait, what happened? What happened? Where Where is all this, all this hygiene? How did we're this, I mean, really, it. how did we slip uh, october is one of the longest months of the year you know it and just we got still away from us had no time for no October in October. well yeah, robin we... it takes a lot of time and rehearsal and planning believe it or not to put together <laughs> the dick cathalon <laughs> a lot of she people does are not behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. she doesn't have a penis she doesn't understand the kind of cramming we're that like goes bruce on. springsteen with penises we take it seriously that's our instrument <laughs> you do i, I, I yeah, admire yeah. that Howard, uh, by the way how... richard yes yeah I was going to say, you know how you were like sleeping and dreaming of what you were going to ask Bruce? Like, Mehmet and Derek are sleeping and dreaming of our dicks because they've been working so hard putting all this together. Yeah, this took weeks of research and development. And really, yes. I had at least three meetings about this. So uh, there you go. Oh my By the way, um, Richard, you might be interested in this. Uh, Michael Rappaport sent in a song. He's no Bruce Springsteen, but he sent in a song that he composed about slapping your ass, and I thought I'd play awesome. it for you. Yeah. Yo, Richard, this is Michael Rappaport, you redneck fuck you. I'm going to spank that fucking ass raw, you understand me? And you're going to say, Daddy, I like it. Oh, yeah, you're going to like it so good. Bend that ass over. Smack that ass, you dumb redneck. Pop your zits. Slap me with my fucking fist. Smack your ass, you pale hick. How many songs do you know about smacking a guy's ass and popping his zits? Go to spank that ass. <laughs> Slappy where you fucking shit. Attention, all you redneck hicks. Your ass was meant for me. Gonna bend you over my damn lap and slap those pimply cheeks. I'm gonna smack that ass, you dumb redneck. Pop your zits. Slappy with good. my fucking fits. Smack that ass, you pale hick. Gonna spank that He's got that a musical ass. ability, this guy. Yeah, I tell you. he missed his you know, calling. He's, he's written a lot of songs, but yeah. I think he really feels this one. You know, like yeah. he really yeah. nailed it. <laughs> By the way, Richard did record a response to Michael Rappaport's mm -hmm. song, and oh. I'll play that for you. Hey, Michael Rappaport, it's Richard Christie. I've been a very naughty boy, and I need you to teach me a lesson. Hit me with your best shot. Ah. Come on and spank me with your best shot. Ah. Rappaport, slap me with your best shot until my ass is its Come on, Mike. Let's put the fantasy in fantasy football. Punish this actually, me. This is scary a little bit, but uh, <laughs> well, you yeah, know, if Howard, I were Rappaport, I'd be headed for the hills right now. <laughs> well, see, that's what I thought, Robin. Like you know that phrase, "Your mouth writes a check that your ass can't cash." <laughs> that's me. I thought Michael Rappaport would be freaked out when I asked him to spank me, but uh, unfortunately, he's all into it. So I'm gonna have to pay the price for my Any mouth. Any concern that you could get sexually aroused during it? I'm being serious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that would be great because it'd probably freak Michael out and he'd stop spanking me. So maybe right. I'll try. Do you think there's a chance you get hard and like jizz on his knee or something? 
I'll try. I'm going to try. Yeah. Uh, I try. never got hard from a spanking, but I'll try. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we were going to invite Art the Clown to this segment, but it's too disturbing. He declined. He said he couldn't handle it. <laughs> uh, by the way, hit me with your best shot. I heard that Pat Benatar, when she does a concert, will no longer perform. Hit me with your best shot. Because uh, she claims it's about violence. or and, and I'm like, first of all, I don't know who's going to a Pat Benatar concert. I like Pat Benatar. But if she's not doing Hit Me With Your Best Shot, what the fuck yeah. is she doing? What you else know what I mean? There? Well, she's there's... Uh, no, she's hits. got a lot she's of She's had hits, songs. Sal. Yeah. But, but yeah. Hit Me With Your Best Shot's maybe her best known song, you know? And, and, I, and I always thought that song was about like, hey... You want to put me down? You want to knock me? But you go ahead, hit me with your best shot. I'll come back. I never saw it as like a like a literal hitting. I always thought of it as, a, as she's tempted or, or tell, like a guy's hitting on her, and she's saying, "Okay, try to hit on, try to impress me." Something yeah, I mean, like the that. last thing I think about is literally hitting someone. Yes, I, because I, oh, that's not in your history. I don't know. She wrote the song, right? Yeah, but. She, I'm telling her she can do hit me with your best shot. She can calm the fuck down. Well, you That's can all. have all the opinions you want for Pat Benatar, well, but she does what she wants. Yeah, oh, but I interviewed said, Bruce Springsteen, so don't I get to <laughs> rule on these things? She said that she's not performing it anymore in protest of gun violence, and uh, which oh. I don't really, I'm not making the oh. connection. And then the other thing is she's getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think, this Saturday night. Oh, nice. okay. Mm. Who's inducting her? Do you know? I don't. Well, yeah. guess what she won't be doing? <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. Yeah, but maybe somebody yeah. else will play it for it, like as a tribute to her. You should Pat sing Benatar. your version, Richard. <laughs> yeah, your version's great. I'll do it. <laughs> Pat said in July she'll no longer perform the song due to a rise in gun violence. So mm. there you go. She she knocked herself out. Is that going to stop gun violence? I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, absolutely. know if that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would have in 1980, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about yeah. now. I, I don't know if <laughs> listening to that. Um, <laughs> and I love Pat Benatar. So. Yeah, I was going to buy a gun yesterday, Howard, but after that, you know. <laughs> right. I'm not shooting anyone anymore. <laughs> she convinced Sal. Uh, uh, Owen, you're on the air in Pennsylvania. What's on your mind? Howard, Howard, you're number one in my books, and Bruce is number two. I go from 101 to Channel 20. I go to shows, and I go to a couple of his shows, not a ton of them, but his voice was immaculate online yesterday. It was immaculate listening to it. came out so clear, crystal clear. I, I posted in a Bruce chat yesterday online that, you were gonna, that he was going to be on your show. I got a lot of responses from women who had, Normally not normally not listen to the show. My mother was listening to the show. She normally doesn't listen. And my well, you know, part of um, uh-huh. one of my favorite moments when I was talking to John Landau, uh, Bruce's manager, he said, you know what? Your fans are going to love this, but Bruce's fans are really going to love this. Uh, talking about referring to the interview, and I went, uh, oh, that makes me so happy. I can't tell you how happy I am about that. Um, that's real important to me because, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yep. Bruce's fans are very particular, and, and you know they 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 want they're they're hungry for information. They like it. So uh, but anyway, that 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 made me real happy when John Landau said that. All right, mm-hmm. Owen. But my, my favorite part of the whole thing was, I me, mean, my friend Dave at work. This as soon as 
you know, all these new people listen to you. As soon as Bruce went off the air, get your cocks out for Cocktober. I don't know exact words that came out, but I fuck, I broke down laughing and it was amazing. I don't know if you would go back and change it now, but that was my favorite part of the whole interview. That's just crazy. It went from right the emotion, the emotion and power of Bruce Springsteen right into a Cocktober promotional event. Well, that's the beauty of the show. It was unbelievable. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Thank yes. you. Yeah. I appreciate you. everything you do. the whole spectrum from divine to deplorable. That's exactly <laughs> what Jimmy Kimmel Despicable. said. Like Jimmy but Kimmel I, was like, uh, it's the only place you go from fifth, Fisty Gary to, you know, interviewing the greatest people on earth. I know. That's what I love about <laughs> My cock is my life. <laughs> uh, from Casey, Bruce to Balls. <laughs> in uh, New York. Casey in New York. Go ahead. Hi. How are you today? So I'm a little concerned about not hearing women anymore on your show. October every year, but no vaguery. Yeah, no vaguery. Well, well we uh, used to have um, <laughs> the breastathon. Um, you know, right. you, we used to do that, but celebration that of breasts. Was, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know. There's been we a change. Had Howard, I, just, uh, I just want cock. <laughs> I don't know that women are as up to vag stunts as guys are up to cock yeah. stunts, you know. Hey, Casey, can we go fishing in your vagina? Exactly. No. Well, so there you I'm go. certainly I not going to participate in a breast cathalon. So. Oh, yes, you are. Right? <laughs> I'm not oh, doing there you. Robin, I was wondering, would you mind if we played Gash Wednesday with you? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? You just you can't get as many volunteers. Can't do it. Can't do it. You yeah. can't do it. You can't it's karate chop spaghetti with your clitoris. You know, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Robin can. How dare you? You 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 you, you limit her, and uh, yeah, that's, on, that, so. that's I apologize. Cool. That's right. I'm tired of men telling me what I can do <laughs> with your clit. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, I did mention part of uh, the big ceremony tomorrow is when medicated Pete will come on with his big penis. And uh, yes, we're going to tape a microphone to his penis and he's going to sing Purple Vein. And but a lot is of people he have a mic stand or is he going to be holding no, his penis his is his, his penis is the mic stand. Robin. Yeah, but, how, you know, can I mean, really, a microphone is kind of heavy. Well, that's the fun. That's where the fun comes in. You're going to get to see how he does it. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, medicated Pete, I do want to say this because we sent medicated Pete to a nude beach okay. and, uh, there was a lot of hijinks. Sal, you were part of this. You went to the beach with him, right? Yeah, I did. And uh, let me tell you, man, it was quite an experience. You know, there's, there's some very, very attractive people, believe it or not, at a nude beach. And then you put Pete in the mix and it's just like, whoa, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a little, um, it was a little, it was interesting to say the least, you know, Pete walking around naked and Pete's desire was to show off his penis. Pete had this whole thought that when women would see his huge penis, that they would be immediately attracted to him. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know what it is? Work out? No. He is so sexually frustrated and, you know, cause he's got an unusual look. Let's be kind. And, uh, yes. And, well, uh, he's got some issues too, how? Yeah, he's got OCD, he's got Tourette's, he's got, uh, he's on tons of medication, he snortles when he talks, you know, he's like, <laughs> yeah, when he talks and stuff. So, <laughs> so, you know, I get his thought process. He's like, Jesus Christ, if women maybe knew that I had this big penis. Right. They so the forget all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So he really kind of, you know, and he's so skinny, you know, he looks like he just got out of Auschwitz with the big penis though. <laughs> right. And so it's like, 
So, so I guess in his mind, he's like, you know what? The world is all backwards. If we, if we could walk around naked, I would have the advantage That's because right. people would see my big penis. So anyway, he's got so many issues, and despite being in his forties, his late forties at this point, he's still living with his mom. And uh, you know, his big blessing in life is this giant dong of his. Right. He's very proud of it, by the way. Oh, obsessed with showing off his penis. <laughs> and um so here he is, as Sal points out, here he is telling us he has a big dream for his big ween. Take a listen to Medicated Pete and his dream. It's always been a dream of mine to be at a new beach and show my big penis because I get a thrill and I get responses from the women. I think the women would would, would love it and, and um, admire the big thickness of it. And I think um, having it all out there is um, the perfect way to, to get a response like that. And uh, it's, it's a thrill on to be at the beach and, and be naked at the beach. Well, like the Make-A-Wish organization, we try to make dreams come true. When he said this was his dream, that's why Sal said, I'll go to the nude beach with you. Sal, you were not nude. Wolfie was there, too. He was not nude, right? He was not. We were both not nude, yes. Are, are people offended? You know offended? what's odd to me? What? That there have been nude beaches. It's not like a new thing. <laughs> and Pete somehow still never got there. It was like a dream. <laughs> it's really weird, Robin. Like, like, why not build a house at the nude beach and live there full there. time? If you think that's your secret, Put you know a tent what I mean. Out there, <laughs> yeah. Like, why live in a world where people wear, live clothes? Just live at a nude yes. beach. Right. Yeah. Have your mom move there. Uh, are people offended when you're not wearing uh, when you're na not naked? Uh, they're, no. they're okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it okay. or not, there was a good mix of people. It was about fifty fifty nude and clothing. And where is this beach? Is it a secret or uh, uh, no? It's in New Jersey. Uh, oh. Yeah, and it's a beautiful beach. It's absolutely beautiful. It's so surreal. You're walking towards this beautiful beach, and it looks like just an average beach. And then all of a sudden, you just see a guy walking by, and his dick is flopping in the air. And then you see a naked <laughs> is, lady. Is it's it's almost like a dream. Is there a warning see? sign for families? Like, don't go here. You're no. Dick. Do you do you um do you see guys with small dicks there too? Lots of. That's the thing, Howard. You figured if you had a huge cock like Pete, you would want to go to this beach. There are guys. I swear, it looked like a mushroom in the grass. It was just. A, <laughs> there's an, and, and Howard, they're walking around like they're a proud and yeah. But proud. why? 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 If you have a small penis, would you walk around a nude beach? You got to be insane. It baffles me. But I'll tell you one thing: if you have a small penis. You would, like you yourself, Howard, you're not too fond of the size of your penis. You would be like a porn star at this beach, you know, with the size of your penis. Like, it's it's a place where you would actually be proud of your penis. No, that's I wouldn't. Small, well, no, I'm telling you, that's how many small penises are there. Yours in I don't comparison. care if I'm in a sea of small penis. I am not going <laughs> to be gonna proud. It's not going to make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, someone told me Pete's biggest fear is that his penis will bend the wrong way and just snap off every time he has it out. Did you hear any of this? Yeah, he has this thing. Like he says, when he's in the shower, he's afraid to bang it. He treats his, his dick like a piece of ceramic. It's very odd. Um, he's in the shower. He's afraid to bang it. So he gently washes it. When he zips up his pants, he tucks it, tucks it in gently. It's, it, he has a lot of fear. Yes. Well, anyway, let me get back to this tape. Um, you know, Pete, we met Pete. He was an intern for two semesters from 2009 to 2010. And uh, that's how we met him. We loved the guy. But, uh, you know, he's got a series of issues. So 
The boys are driving to the beach. As you say, Robin, why he's never been to a new beach, I don't know. But the boys are going to take him for his dream, Wolfie and Sal. Yeah. And on the drive to the beach, Pete shared his expectations for the day. So here is okay. what... Yeah, all right. This is what Pete thinks is going to happen. I'm hoping, I'm hoping some woman comes up to me now and says I'm going to suck the cock with it. You know? Would like, you let her suck it if she says that? Hell yeah. Right on the beach? Hell yeah. While she's sucking the cock, yeah. what do you say to her? I say thank you. Thank you for sucking my cock. Would you jerk off on the beach? Well, uh, discreetly, maybe. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take a towel. And if, if I get turned on, you know, I think... I, I think I might open up and jerk off a little bit with, with a towel. Use a towel. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that might that might be in the cards. Medicated Pete is a nudist uh, worst nightmare. Like yeah. one thing you don't do at a new beach is start jerking off. <laughs> totally <know>? inappropriate. <laughs> might be against. He's the rules. like that's in the cards. Yeah. <laughs> in the cards. <laughs> It's like when you meet Bruce Springsteen, you try not to pass out. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, right. <laughs> you know, but, um, but he told the guys that he researched nude beach etiquette and he learned if he gets a boner and he gets excited to roll over and stick his dick in the sand. Oh, my uh, goodness. What kind right? of Did he tell you? Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't own that book? Uh, what, 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 what did, uh, did he, when he told you this, were you like flipping out, Wolfie? I, he was so prepared for this trip. Like it really was a lifelong dream. So he, he had all that research done and he was ready to, to hide that dick if he had to. Uh, you know, um, and by the way, most people, this was another observation. Most people bring nice beach towels. Yeah. You know, to the beach. Pete brought a small discolored towel that looked like something you'd it see. It wasn't in a, even a beach towel. It was no, it was like one of those dirty little gym locker. Uh, <laughs> it, it was like yeah. to wipe his cock off. With. It was like a rag you you keep in the trunk of your car, like if a bird shits on your windshield. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, man. So, uh, I, okay. So anyway, they get to the nude beach. When, when does he disrobe, by the way? Pop right away. He he yeah. pretty much he got there and just just dropped his pants and uh it was no, like, like uh, was he on the beach or were you still in the parking lot? We were halfway. halfway. <laughs> well, the second his toes hit the sand, when, when he hit the sand, the pants <laughs> went off. Yeah. It was like an awakening. He he was just. <laughs> <laughs> just like so static. So you know when you walk to a beach, there's usually a walkway first. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as his feet hit the walkway, and we probably had another forty feet to go to the beach, his feet landed, and he just started taking all his clothes off, like he wanted to make a grand entrance to the beach. Uh, <laughs> Howard, do you want to see? Uh, so do you want to see a picture? I have a, uh, a quick picture. Yeah. Let me really see. Quick. This is Pete oh. disrobing. Yeah. All right. Look at this. Oh. <laughs> I, I think he looks oh. like the statue of David in that picture. You know who he looks like, the guy? He's so white, first of all. Yeah. He looks like that guy. What was the one where the kid had superpowers, but he was like an albino? Powder. 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 He looks like powder. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a tiny ass. He looks like Michelangelo's David, only he's yeah. not finished. <laughs> he's still like he's still sculpting. sculpting. More sculpting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, um, so Pete arrives at the nude beach, gets naked immediately, and then he starts right in asking women to evaluate his penis. Uh, and uh, this did not go well. Here we go. Can you please rate, rate my penis on a scale of 1 to 10? No, please go away. Get away from me. Please don't bother me. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it was bad, didn't come Howard. true. You, got, you guys uh, stated that the first lady Pete approached acted like she witnessed a murder, right? It was, oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the look on her face, I just knew, forget it. It's not happening. Yeah. Some women just waved him off. He, I mean, he got within feet and their their hands were flailing like, get away, get away. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, I mean, you know, he's got all those weird ticks that he yes. does. And uh, he's... He's got a gigantic bush, evidently, that is really, oh, really? off-putting. Yeah, it's and, not and even he, Howard. Uh, the bush itself—it's—it's it's not only a bush; it's a crooked bush. It's almost like <laughs> you know when you wake up in the morning and your hair's on one side. That's his yeah, cock. Yeah. He's <laughs> got this crooked, um, so, so, bush. So to recreate the day, uh, Pete had trouble finding a woman to evaluate his penis, so he moved on to men, thinking that <laughs> at least someone would evaluate his penis. No women wanted to talk to him. <laughs> Hey, hey, can you please, can you please rate, rate my penis on a scale of one to ten? With ten being the best? Yeah, it's a five. Why is it only a five? <laughs> look at it. You can tell, you can see why it's a five. Come on, look around the beach here. It's a five. Uh, there's not that much there. He needs a shave. <laughs> he need, definitely needs a shave. Even though it's red, it gotta go. <laughs> it gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! This is go. turning into Poor a nightmare Pete. for Pete. Yeah, most of the nudists felt Pete's big bush was a huge turnoff. <laughs> um, and Sal and Wolfie, by the way, you should mention that you strongly disagree with this guy. They they have said to go on record, Pete was bigger than this guy, right? You Pete yes. had a bigger penis. Oh my god! Right. I, I'm yeah. jealous of Pete's dick. You could put two of my dicks inside Pete's dick. It is it, it's enormous, and th this guy really shortchanged him. Uh, the day wasn't a complete bust. Pete spoke with two gay gentlemen who loved his penis. So here oh, okay. some positive feedback. Here you go. Two gay guys. Hey, guys. What do you think of my penis? I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind. The confidence is showing. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give my penis? Nine. Nine. <laughs> really? That feels good. That, 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 that definitely feels good. So... Be Tanner. <laughs> Tanner. But you're a ginger. So I'm the type of guy you would want to party with? And maybe invite back to a tent. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> no, seriously. What, what was that? Maybe invite back to a tent. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Hang out for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so evidently there are tents at the back of the beach for guys that want to get to know each other better <laughs> yep. yeah the guys asked pete if he wanted to engage further with them but he declined so the two men moved on pete uh, backed out of any kind of game oh yeah oh, he's a little he uptight out. yeah yeah a little uptight um yeah so uh pete found the entire experience to be a huge turn on Really? Pete, Even though yeah. the women were just repulsed. <laughs> Pete admitted he had a hard time containing his excitement. Listen to this. I noticed at one point that gay couple was complimenting your penis and then you brought up the towel to cover your penis. Why was that? I, I get like 
I just get like sexually like tension and like whenever there's like a conversation like sexual conversation but it doesn't matter who it is I get all get all sexually aroused you know just a conversation just alone the conversation gets me gets me going so that guy gave your penis a score of a 9 out of 10 and that got you rock hard yeah I mean I mean just the excitement from it wow Oh, boy. boy, Wolfie, I got to <laughs> hand it to you. You can't sneak a boner past you. You caught on right away. Eagle-eye <laughs> <laughs> Wolfie. I was, yeah. I was on this beach towel with these two gay guys, and Pete's dick is inches from my face. And I noticed he kept pulling the towel up. He had such a huge boner. The second they compliment, it just like the thing just wow. grew. So, yeah, wow. so that's what was going on. You know who uh, medicated Pete reminds me of? Uh, Pinocchio. <laughs> he had the uh, nose, and you could, you know, when, whenever he told a lie, the nose would grow. And, and, and whenever you compliment Pete, that penis just grows. We and should grows try and that grows. tomorrow. See if that works, Pete. Your yeah. cock looks great. See if he starts growing. <laughs> yeah, we could try it right during your yeah. spanking. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I was wondering. You know, uh, Chris Wilding is gay. Chris, could you? like blow a guy like medicated pete in other words he's got a beautiful big penis but the rest of him isn't so great you know what i mean i mean he's you know, it, but can you be attracted to a guy just based on penis and say you know i'll play with that thing and kind of have some fun with it it's such a formula because there are otherwise average looking guys who have really big beautiful penises and yes i absolutely could but with pete he's so unusual and so odd looking that even the big penis doesn't do it for me. It it, it doesn't see. pass that that test. <laughs> I see. So the his whole concept of going to a nude beach and somehow being more attractive with the big penis uh, uh, doesn't listen, seem to work. It, it not for me. Clearly, with some gay men, it does. I mean, I right. think Pete gets a lot of attention from gay men and inevitably winds up in situations where he's around them so they can compliment his penis. I don't think he gets the attention from women he wants because they don't really care. But yeah, certain gay men will totally be into that just based on All penis right. alone. For me, I need a little more. <laughs> well, anyway, anybody... yes, we'll be. I, I was going to say, I don't think anyone mentioned it. Pete had these giant spittle deposits on the side of his mouth Someone, someone actually called him Cujo. It was that much spit oh. coming out of his mouth. <laughs> well, that was the, the women saw that a mile away. We're like, oh my god, they were just free. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I'm excited. I haven't seen medicated Pete in a couple of years, so the fact that he's going to be part of the uh, what we're calling um, Cockvember event tomorrow, <laughs> or the Dick Cathalon. My cock is my life. Right. Um, I'm excited to see that Pete's a good sport and he's going to be a part of this whole thing. So that's a little bit of a promotional announcement about uh, Pete and its penis. And uh, oh, it's time to see Pete's dick. Pete's dick. Veiny and super thick. Dome so long. What a gigantic strong. Rod, slim bod. Looking like a paper tripod. Robin, sit down. It's not becoming of a lady to dance to that. Uh, 
<laughs> no, but Robin, uh, tomorrow you'll see medicated Pete. He will be uh, using his penis as a microphone. And Who's be a putting lot the of microphone on there? <laughs> Is uh, there an I engineer believe, assigned to uh, it? I, I think uh, you and Sal should be assigned to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Did anybody will, yeah. work that out? Like, how are you attaching the microphone? Jason, you're in charge of this. Uh, as, yes. a, as an executive producer yourself, you yes. are going to be uh, in charge of Pete's penis and getting the microphone oh, yes. on. Who's going to actually be doing the taping? I believe uh, D uh, Derek will be doing the taping, but today we have Pete coming into the studio this afternoon. We're going to run through everything, try different microphones and different methods. Derek's going to do uh, it? Let's interview Derek. Derek's going to actually, uh, yeah, Derek should uh, pop on for the uh, actual tape. But um, I want to see if you uh, want to, I got, just got a full frontal picture of uh, Pete at the beach if you want sure. to see it. I just didn't uh, want to uh, throw it up there. Everyone wants to okay, see that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <clears throat> Wow. Oh. <laughs> wow. Ah, nice. He happens to look good. He looks good. Oh, he looks good. It's like he has carrot top and a leg his lock. Dick, that yeah. huge. Wow. His dick looks, looks like Bozo the Clown. <laughs> ah, yeah, the red pubic hair is a nice touch. Uh, Derek, what's your approach? I know that uh, you might be uncomfortable with this. What, what, how well, are you going to yeah, attach well, this microphone? Especially since this is the first time I've heard that I was being the one to put the microphone on Pete's cock. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, Cockvember is full of surprises, Derek. Man, I know. Uh, I, I happen to, I, for some reason around the show, I'm like the widow of Cocktober. I have to do all the crazy cock stuff. I spent three hours in a closet with Sal testing like what Christmas objects could go into his foreskin for what's in my pouch at Christmas. Uh, I, I, when, when they made, when Sal Richard made molds of their uh, dicks for Ronnie to fuck himself uh, in the ass last year. I was the only keeper of all the dick pics of them fully aroused with boners. And I had a checklist from the dildo company that I had to go down. They had the, like 15 different angles they had to have. And I had to go through the checklist of each of their aroused penises and make sure that we had all those photos together. Uh, well, I've carried, during the rehearsal, who, during the rehearsal, who the hell put the, uh, the, the microphone on the penis? So today we're going to do the Pete rehearsal. The thought uh, was, we bought a lavalier microphone for today and then another one for tomorrow that we can dispose of and throw away after Pete uses. So we're just buying I the see. microphone. I, I bought medical tape. I was going to ask Pete to tape it to himself and I was going to supervise. So, uh, there you go. yeah, see. I'm, I'm, we're really not supposed to be touching anything. Like once something, we have a rule that once something like touches a penis, it immediately has to be thrown into the garbage. Let me uh, say something. Um, you know, during the Bruce Springsteen interview, a lot of us got inspired by his commitment to his work. And Derek is that kind of guy. I mean, I tell kids all the time, if you want to make it in radio, you have to be willing to step up. And Derek, you yep. certainly are the... Uh, Bruce Springsteen of Cockvember. So uh, oh, good for you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you really Four years are, of yeah. uh, college, Temple University, right down the drain. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Who needs college when you have cock? Come on. All right. <laughs> All right, boys. So we look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Uh, Wolfie, Sal, everybody, thank you for that. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Derek. Um, I see a lot of people still want to talk about Bruce Springsteen. I'll tell you what I got to do. I got to stop down for a break. I'll get to the rest of these phone calls that are here. So if you if you don't mind hanging on just a few more minutes, we can hear your thoughts. And then uh, Robin... I have a I have to say that looking at that picture of Pete and yes, then Robin. thinking of him trying to sing into it, I don't know how that's going to work. Well, that's the beauty of it. Tomorrow you'll be able to see it and see maybe it won't work. You know, they, this will yeah, be live. you know, this rehearsal right. this afternoon they have to. Like, make sure we can hear Pete. 
I'll tell you how crazy it gets. They had a sign on the door when Pete when, when, that says uh, "meeting in progress, do not enter." That's that's the kind of meetings we have. <laughs> we don't want anybody walking in. Uh, Mike in uh, New Jersey. A couple more comments about yesterday's show. Mike, go ahead. What's on your mind? Hey, Howard. How are you? Good. Um, one thing that I learned from that interview yesterday with, with Bruce, after you know, after 40 years, you don't think you learn anything. Is He said that he felt that he was an underrated guitar player. Um, the, I love that he said that. I, I love that he too. said that because... Well, I was watching a performance of his when he was on stage with Tom Morello, and Bruce was banging out a lead, and they were trading off lead guitar. And I went, I don't think people recognize how good a guitar player is. And like, even when he was sitting there right in the studio with me, I'm like watching the guy playing that guitar, and every note was so clean and clear, and with those multiple tunings. And I like how he explained how he tunes down and he hits that kind of bassy note. I, I just, jeez, I, I learned so much. It was it awesome. Really whoever engineered, whoever engineered that segment yesterday, it was, it was probably the best live performance you've ever had on there as far as sound, uh, sound quality. It was, it was, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely great. Yeah, great I told job. you, uh, it's very important that um, we wanted to create a place where artists love to play live, and uh, we've got a great, great bunch of guys. Let's give a bow to the the engineers. Anybody want to come forward? Gary, give give somebody some kudos. Yeah, I'm not sure that they. I'm not sure that the ones we want to give kudos to can get on with us. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, they they put in endless hours of work, and they are great, so great, good. Great job, they are, Howard. Howard. They are. They are the unsung unsung heroes of the Howard Stern Show. Again, great great job. Love you, Robin. You're the best. Thank you. Um, let's go to Dan. A couple more people here. Dan in Connecticut. Yeah. Hey, Howard. How are you? Hi, Robin. Good. Uh, long time listener. Uh, I just want to, first off, I wanted to, uh, uh, send you my condolences and love to your dad, uh, this past summer. Uh, fortunately I went through the same thing with my mom and, uh, when Bruce was telling the story about Clarence, I've been a long time fan, uh, really hit me. Um, I mean, I've never really broke down emotionally since she passed. Uh, but uh, I had actually, we had been holding vigil uh, at her, at, at their home, my, my spouse, my siblings and their spouses and my dad for a couple of days. And uh, we were taking breaks once in a while for a nap here and there. And I got up from a nap and I was telling my wife the story how I had uh, recently sung myself a, car, uh, a song that she loved so much, Green Greek Grass at Home. And um, I was telling about, you know, because I used to sing that to her all the time, to karaoke and stuff. And uh, anyhow, my wife said, you should sing it to her. You know, this was, things were getting towards the end. And I held her hand and I sang it to her. And uh, I'm so glad I did. It was just such a, I mean, I just broke down yesterday. Um, Listen to Bruce. And I just want to thank you for that. It's funny you say that. Every time I go to visit my mother now, she sings me a song. Oh, yeah. And uh, like this past time, she started, as I was leaving, she goes, I love you more, I love you more than a bushel and a peck. Ah. A bushel and a peck I do. And she starts to recite the lyrics. And I always think it's so beautiful. Like, uh, and what was she singing? 
I was with Beth, and my mother started singing to me. I don't know the song. I mean, I hadn't thought about it till you said it, Dan. But, uh, yeah, I, I something about this image of Bruce Springsteen sitting in a hospital with Clarence saying goodbye to a guy he's known his whole life professionally and personally and then taking out this guitar and singing Clarence a love song, essentially, to help ease his pain is so unbelievable. Like that, like when I was hearing Bruce talk, and then of course I got completely overwhelmed with emotion when uh, then Bruce just said, uh, yeah, you know, at first I didn't think Bruce was going to play us the song that he sang to Clarence because he got up and I went, oh, he's putting down his guitar. No, he went to switch to a different guitar and he because he had two different guitars with different tunings and he said oh no so then i was sitting with clarence and i said who's who was in the room and he told us and then he all of a sudden you know grab your ticket and your suitcase thunder's rolling down this track you don't know where you're going now but you know you won't be back well darling if you're weary your head upon my chest what an image of him in we'll the hospital with clarence carry. oh what a what a show yesterday we'll what a the rest. crazy Thanks, day you were yeah big you really, wheels you made, us, you made us feel like we were in the room the i couldn't i couldn't believe i was in a room with bruce springsteen playing me what he played clarence on the guitar and i'm just sitting there with him i it was just too much it was just too much Thanks, Dan. You know, the one thing I did want to ask was, do you really think you're going to see Clarence again? I think Bruce was saying, I don't know what was, but I don't want to answer for Bruce. But by the way, already the Tougher Than the Rest video is on the app. I, I want to put that. But, uh, boy, that was one for the ages yesterday. Yeah, I just wondered if he does think there's an afterlife in Mr. you know. Getting back together with your friends at the other on the other side. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? But anyway, um, yeah, my mother, she's she's into this thing where a bushel and a peck was a Doris Day song. Yeah, and, I uh, love you, a bushel and a peck. Yeah, she doesn't sing it. She just she looks at me. She looks she looks me in the eye and she points to me. Oh, here's Doris Day. I love you, a bushel and a peck. And a peck and a hug around the neck, a hug around the neck, and a barrel and a heap, a barrel and a heap, and I'm talking in my sleep about Yeah, but you. my mother does this thing <clears throat> where we're looking at each other, and I'm, I'm walking out the door. I'm like, goodbye, Mom, I'll see you next time. I'll come see you real soon. And she just looked at me, and she went and points at me and goes, I love you, a bushel, and a pack i go oh mom thank you and then she goes a bushel and a pack and a hug around the neck a hug around the neck <laughs> and a barrel and a heap okay mom thanks a barrel and a heap and i'm talking to you in my sleep Okay, Mom, I love you. I love you. It's very emotional. 
It's very I, sweet. It's so sweet. And and I realize my mom sings like William Shatner. <laughs> she does kind of a talking I never thought of that. <laughs> oh yeah. My mother my mother has adopted the stylings of William Shatner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really I didn't know a sweet he was moment. influencing anybody. <laughs> That's amazing. I wish I knew the other song my mother was. My mother, the other song she yeah, was actually singing. Song? Yeah, she didn't do it like William Shatner. She did more in a. In but vocal what styling. I imagine is that your mother might have sung that to you when you were little. Oh, she sang it all the time. Ah. That and Daisy. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. I'm half crazy over the love of you. It won't be a stylish marriage. I can't afford a carriage. But you'll look sweet upon the seat of a bicycle built for two. That was a big song. Yeah, but Bushel and a Peck was for you. Yeah, I guess. I wasn't singing it to my father, I know that. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> I didn't hear any of that. Yeah, that's pretty emotional when my mom's doing that, I got to say. I, oh, it must yeah. tear, you, tear you right up. Nah, been a lot of heavy stuff lately. Excuse me, for someone obviously Who's wants that? to get in here. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds like a door you shouldn't open. Oh, hi, Mr. Shatner. Boy, you were pounding on the door. Yeah. I'm so excited because I, I don't know if I could have sung that any better. Your mother <laughs> sounds like a natural. Yeah, she does all the pauses like you. You know what I mean? Yeah, Bill Shatner, yeah. everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, she goes and she goes, I love you. Right. A bushel and a peck. Yes. A bushel. I mean, little, just, just, I'm fascinated by your mother. Has she been plagiarizing me by any chance? Well, it, you know, she never, she used to always sing around the house, but now as she's older, she's 95, she's gone more to your style, I guess. Can I have her phone number? I'd love to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd love to hear this. Hey, let's practice. Here's my mother. Hello, who is this? It's, this is William Shatner. You can call me. Hello, Bill. who are you? Bill. I can't hear you. Bill, Captain <laughs> Kirk. Who is on this phone? What is your name? Bill, William Shatner. I've been to outer space. Uh, okay, I don't know you. Goodbye. That's it's good. Me. There you go. Dear God, you know, the, wow. Now I understand all of your your your, your issues, Howard. Uh, listen, you speak too fast. A lot I of played T.J. Hooker. You, you speak so fast, a lot of people can't understand you. You're right. All right, there you go. We've got to speak much <laughs> slower. <laughs> All right, Bill, I got to go, okay? Intention. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> nice man, but he's verbose. Um, yeah. Yeah, my mom used to uh, sing, uh, where we'd go to my dad's recording studio, she would yeah. sing Summertime. Summertime was her big song. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was Because I know big we've heard hit. her sing Daisy. Well, everybody had their turn at the microphone. When I'd get on the microphone, I was very cranky and didn't know what to sing, and I was embarrassed. And then my father would yell at me. 
<laughs> for not knowing what to sing because I was like five. And he would just scream and yell. And then uh, my mother and my aunt would get on and they'd start singing. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, my sister, my a sister day got to play. singing. <laughs> yeah, a day of singing and yelling. And my father then had a, you know, but everybody had their, their chance. Summer time. That's my mom. I'm a living is easy. Wow. Nice voice. Fish are jumping. I'm a cotton is home. Wasn't too bad, my mom, huh? No. Are your daddies rich? And your ma is good looking. So hush, little baby. She won America's Got Talent, I think, one year. Way to you go. You know, um, I think back to that conversation you were having where she said, you know, she sort of um, said she had regrets about not having done certain things in her life. Yeah. Listening to that. Yeah. That was from the broadway show porgy and best there was a lot of show tunes on in my house I'm, well your parents seemed to like that show a lot your dad would sing yeah. old man river yeah yeah they <laughs> they liked to uh, well don't forget we lived in a black neighborhood and we only went to black broadway plays <laughs> <laughs> we were the most black <laughs> yeah everything we did was black you know that uh -huh. was uh, that's how we rolled in the stern family but uh there you go you know, I saw somebody yet earlier today. You were saying that Bruce said, you know, one parent uh, usually was saying that you were the next coming of Christ, and the other parent said you were nothing. Yeah. And I walked out of a store the other day, and this guy had a little boy against the wall yelling at him and saying, That's why nobody wants to take you anywhere you're always doing you know he just was screaming i mean there was like well, you know you think he had an audience the way he was talking that kid's gonna grow up to be bruce springsteen probably i was like i wonder who he is <laughs> yeah. fathers are really great with their sons aren't they and really uh just encouraging harry you're on the air in florida Oh, hi, howard how you doing long time uh listener i was at a couple of your appearances many years ago but listen Bruce Springsteen, I'm not a big, tremendous Bruce Springsteen fan, but when he started doing Thunder Roads, I was hysterical. I was in tears. Unbelievable. And I there is not, my, my opinion, there is nothing better than uh, Bruce Springsteen stripped down. I don't mean nude beach stripped down. I mean stripped <laughs> down musically, you know, just the guitar or just the yeah. piano. And uh, that's why and I love the... A little side note, I've had two gastric bypass surgeries, so, uh, you know, I, I like your Dr. Now stuff. Two? 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 Well, I I had one, uh, like, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, and I gained back a lot of the weight, but I was really big back then. I was 450. I went down to 200, 
Then I went up to 330, and I had another one a couple of years ago, and I'm doing great now. Okay. All right, Harry, hang in there, pal. All Second right, need... time's a charm. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know they could keep going in and cutting your stomach down. Uh, Mike from Maine. What up, Mike? Come on, Howard. Hey, now. Howard, uh, uh, just like the last guy said, I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan, and I've never even remotely thought about feeling emotional during his songs, but I fucking cried my eyes out a few times. Um, I think it would have been a great bit if you would have had uh, Gary be willing to do some crazy, you know, maybe take a smegma cheese mustache to be in studio while Bruce <laughs> performed. No, I, I it was perfect. I, I didn't want any schmega cheese mustaches or anything like that. I, uh, I, uh, I, I have to admit, it was pretty special to be alone in that studio with Bruce. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we all had a crying moment yesterday. Even me, hard ass me, broke down a little. Did you tear up in front of Bruce Howard, or was it later on? No, he did. No, I teared up. Uh, I teared up. Uh, maybe it was during. Was it, I think, maybe Thunder Road or something. Yeah, maybe it was Thunder Road. Just when he hit these first couple of notes, something just came over me, and I was like, how lucky am I that, I mean, who knows how long I'll be around, but it, like this moment right now, I could freeze it. It's perfect. I'm just overwhelmed, and I got, got teary. Lambs, Mary's dress ways. Vision, she dances across the porch as a radio play. And I kept thinking, you know, I've, I've played this song so many times on the radio when I was a music DJ. And I'm sitting in a room with this guy, and he's playing it. Turn me on again. For me, my audience. I just can't face myself alone again. All written on the piano, you know. Don't you run back inside, darling, you know. Just what I'm here for. So you're scared, you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore. Show a little faith, there's magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. Well, that's all right with me. your covers and study your pain make crosses from your lovers throw roses in the rain waste your summer praying in vain for a savior to rise from these streets well I'm no hero that's understood all redemption I can offer is beneath this dirty hood with a chance to make it good somehow What else can we do now Except roll down the window And let the wind blow back your hair Well, an ice busted open These two lanes Will take us anywhere We got one last chance To make it real To trade in these wings on some wheels climbing back heaven's waiting down on the tracks
Like, I thought he was just going to do one or two songs, and and then he breaks into Thunder Road, and boy, I just, I was overwhelmed with his generosity yesterday, you know, I really was, just the the, the time that he gave me, and uh, the way he just kind of brought these songs to life for us, oh my God, it, it was just too great, just too great. And, uh, You're listening yeah, I, to them like that, you find that each of them is like a hymn. You know, yeah. like they're yeah. they're what you wish religious music could be. Like exactly it really right. Really is something yeah. about how great mankind could be and want and should be trying to aspire to. Yeah, when I was in high school, I wrote a paper. Not that my teachers thought it was great, as my mother can tell you, but I wrote a paper about how rock stars were more meaningful. That I got more religion from rock and roll than I ever did from going to a service, a religious service. And I, I was someone who was indoctrinated with tremendous amount of religious training. Three, four, five days a week up until the age of 13, I went to school and studied scripture and all this crap. And uh, I never got a feeling from it. I thought it was a tremendous waste of time. But I remember when I put the Beatles on, I, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, there's so much wisdom and so much feeling. This is what I should be feeling when I go for religion. And yesterday, sitting in that room with Bruce was more of a religious experience for me. When he, uh, the, just the tone of his voice. And then I was I had so many thoughts during it. I was like, this guy's 73 years old. And look what he's doing right now. Like he's singing his own compositions on piano and guitar. He doesn't need any help from anybody else. He's 73 and he's doing this and he's he's like maybe better than he's ever been. Yeah, he even talked about how his voice is better now. Yeah, and I, I believe didn't it. know anything about, you know, that moving operation. his vocal cords. Yeah, moving oh his vocal my. cords. How great was it when he said, you know, hey, so I hadn't spoken for three months. I hadn't, you know, and then I went into my garage and this is what I did to check to see that I still had my voice. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, everything he talked about was just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Uh, Patrick in Ohio, go ahead. Hi, Howard. This is uh, Patrick. I, it was a, a big, mature moment for me. Uh, you know, I, like a lot of the other callers, I was never a big Bruce Springsteen fan. But, you know, broken down, hearing the lyrics and the poetry and the artistry, uh, mm. it was a humbling moment. Yeah, I really... It gave me an appreciation for him. I'll never look at him the same. And it was one of the greatest interviews you've ever done. It was a master class on how to conduct your life and, and uh, how to be a human being. It was everything about it was perfect. So for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Patrick. Uh, Gabriel, I'll let you say a few words. There's so many people want to talk about Bruce. So, Gabriel, go ahead in Florida. Hi, Howard. How are you doing? Hey, now. Hey, I uh, just want to let you know that uh, my father passed away in August, and I know that your father passed away, and uh, we were actually waiting for you to come back from uh, summer hiatus, and I just had uh, 
uh, a real question for you. How did you work through it with your father, man? Because uh, it, it was a big deal for me. My father was my best friend, and uh, we kind of bonded uh, on your show, uh, considering that he was he was a little more conservative when I was younger. Um, 33, he was uh, 72 when he passed. And uh, just, uh, like I said, how did you... Uh... Well, I'm jealous when you say your father was your best friend, honestly, because I've seen relationships like that between fathers and sons. But uh, my father and I had a very distant relationship. It was a cold relationship. And I think my father didn't have the um, bandwidth. He had a horrible life. My father really had a horrible life. And my mother's been sharing more and more I didn't know a lot of this when he was alive, but, you know, and I told you my father was handicapped. He had one eye. Um, he never complained about it, but he never talked about it. And it was weird. Like, I, it was such a big secret. And my mother said uh, even when she dated him, he never brought it up. She didn't know anything about it until she married him. Wow. And, uh, and she told me he never, ever complained about it. It's like only a couple of times he would say to my mother, Ray, I have one eye. In other words, reminding her that he couldn't do everything. And um, it was, it, 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 I don't know, I guess my father had been so beaten up in life or whatever. He had nothing really to give me. I think in some ways he had no idea how to have a son. So unlike you, uh, we didn't really work things out. I, I, At the end, a couple of times I told my father I love you. He couldn't say it back to me. Right. He just didn't have the ability to do it. He mm -hmm. he just he sat there and went, okay, that's good. That's and how he was. You, Howard, I, I don't mean to cut you off. My father, uh, we had a generational gap. He was 40 when he had me, uh, 70 right. when he passed away. He was 33. So believe me, I had a lot of things I had to learn about him. It wasn't always I love you and we bonded over Yankees and that's... Uh, uh, baseball and all that stuff and listening to you and Gary and all the guys talk about your relationships with your fathers and your mother. And there was a lot of bonding between me and my father through the show. So it was really nice. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you got that with him. I mean, the, the bonding for me, the way I got my father's attention was to get my ass on the radio and right. fortunately became successful at it. I think if I hadn't been successful, I would have been ridiculed. I would have been right. like, ah, oh, told you not oh to my go into God. radio. Can you imagine if you had not made it? Yeah, my father thought I was nuts going into radio. He, my father was in radio. My father was an engineer, and um, and he worked with a lot of great radio people, like real legends in the radio business. And um, for his money, he was just like, well, I don't understand how you're going into radio. You're 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 not educated. You don't say anything particularly well. You don't have a great voice. You don't. You know, he told me all the problems up with, with me. And um, he was very discouraging, quite frankly, about it and worried about me because he didn't think I'd be able to make a living. But when I when I finally uh, started to really come up in radio, when I st when I got my job at WCCC AM and FM in, uh, in uh, Hartford, he thought, oh, maybe there's something here. And he was more supportive and he was helpful to me in terms of, you know, how to go in for, to a boss and ask for money and stuff. So we had some bonding moments over radio. Right. Which I was glad we had, and I and I'm grateful to him for advising me. All right, Gabriel, thanks for the words about hey, Bruce. Much appreciated. I'm from Oldbridge, New Jersey. Um, love Bruce Springsteen, and uh, we loved your Billy Joel interview. You were the best. We bonded over that. We got to see him in Orlando before he passed away, his 69th birthday. So, thank you for all the years of love and, uh, like I said, uh, bonding me and my father. Man, you're awesome. Thanks, thanks, Gabriel. That was another great uh, interview, another day I'll never forget.
we went to the cutting room and uh, interviewed Billy Joel for quite some time. And man, mm, beautiful day too. Yeah, beautiful day. Yeah. You know the one thing about these these parental relationships is that whatever they were doing, it had nothing to do with you. Right. It was their trauma they were dealing with. Yeah. But you think it's you. You think there's something wrong with As you. As a you child, you think yeah. everything's you. That's yeah. the, the nature of childhood, that you're responsible for all these reactions you're seeing around you. But in truth, it's their own pain and their own suffering that they're trying to process. I was going to ask you, Robin, do you think the CEO of SiriusXM, Jennifer Witz, will now get a picture of me in her office? Or do you believe? You want to hear a funny story? Um, what? Did you um, hear from Jennifer about that? <laughs> yes, actually, I heard from Jennifer Ooh. about yesterday. She she was very um uh she enjoyed Bruce Springsteen and, and sent me a beautiful note. So did Scott Greenstein. But Wonderful. um uh the other day when I was complaining that Jennifer Witz uh, had a picture of Andy Cohn over her yeah. shoulder when she did that big meeting at SiriusXM. Um, I I sat down with my crew. I picked out a gorgeous picture of myself, one where I was much younger and way better looking. I was right <laughs> at the right angle. And I was sending it to her. I asked someone to send it to her with a note that this would be a good picture for her to have in her office. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I went, am I out of my mind? Am I really going <laughs> to send that to did Jennifer? Did you tell them to stop? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I First thing, and there's a 48-hour rule around here that was set up. Whatever Howard says, wait 48 hours and see if he changes his mind. Because I inevitably end up changing my mind. And I said, don't send it to Jennifer. Don't send her because she's going to think I'm a fucking asshole. But anyway, yeah, Jennifer was very happy. Scott Greenstein was very happy, the people who run this place. And I wrote them back and I well, said, you know well, what? Well, the question is, did she say that was better than any Andy Cohen interview? Or She said <laughs> she felt that I was close to being as good as Andy Cohen <laughs> and that I had redeemed myself. No, uh, I thanked her on behalf of uh, the show. I said, you know, if we hadn't come to satellite, these kinds of things wouldn't be happening. Would not said, be happening, you. yeah. I said, thank you for working so hard to keep this company going. Because if this company doesn't exist, we can't provide this kind of entertainment. Um, because they put up the money for this so that we can have good engineers and give people a top quality experience. Uh, it doesn't happen without her keeping this thing going and Scott keeping the thing going. So I was very appreciative of them for, uh, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. You get it. Uh, Jennifer out, Witz. Recognizing it was great. Jennifer, thank you for reaching out. What's up? Uh, not interview was so good. I put up a picture of Bruce next to Andy in my office. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you are just Jennifer, too much. you put up a picture of Bruce Springsteen after you uh, heard the show? Oh, come on, Stern. I'm just busting your balls. I'm proud of you, Stern. You really delivered yesterday, and it was exactly what we needed for Q4. But listen to me carefully, Stern. You better keep this train rolling, fucko. You hear me? Right, I know. Uh, I'm, in other words, I shouldn't rest on my laurels. Is that what you're saying? I, I'm what? McCartney, Madonna, Billy Joel, Robert Plant, and Jimi Hendrix corpse on by next week. Or it's your ass, you hear me, son? <laughs> All right, thank you, Jennifer. Try All right, well. that you Jimi Hendrix interview. Get him yes. in here. Listen to me, son, <laughs> listen to me. But you didn't earn a prize. You earned a 
sip of my executive soda. A sip, not a gulp. You hear me? Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, the executives, it's, you know, we used to have free sodas here at Sirius XM, right. but the executive area now took all the free sodas, and uh, none of the staff or employees are allowed to have wow. it. So, uh, Jennifer, thank you. Uh, I'll take you up on getting a sip of your executive soda. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, and don't forget, Stern, I'm tougher than the rest. I'll jam a foot up your ass if you don't keep up the good work, you hear me? Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Song uh, had a whole different meaning for her. <laughs> tougher than the rest means Jennifer is tougher than the rest. Wow, I can't believe it. Uh, oh, here's our, our friend Marianne from Brooklyn needs to say oh. something about Bruce. Go oh, ahead, Marianne. God, I'm st- I listened all day, yesterday, again and again. I want to tell you a couple of things. You both moved us, Howard. I know you don't want to take props about people, you know, Thank cheering you. you on. It was both of you. But you know what? It's timing in life. And it was the perfect time, Howard, for both of you. Because I the agree. Fact that, right. You, there was a long history. And like you always said, you're on the, on the air so many hours a day that, like, you know, you can say something wrong or off call it but bruce was so humble and nice and he didn't even want you to apologize about anything and yeah, it just yeah. the music was fabulous the, he was gracious you're absolutely right. Even, yeah, All right it's weird hearing her talk in the normal voice that's just it's too much for me <laughs> <laughs> go back to yelling uh finally one last call let's hear from travis in texas go ahead <clears throat> hey hey howard hey robin hey fred um hey. You really picked uh, the perfect show to come back to out of hiding. That was uh, incredible. Um, I didn't mean to call. I, I volunteered for hospice, and, um, you know, condolences to your father, my grandmother. She's 98 on hospice right now as well. Um, I was volunteering yesterday. And um, I, I was volunteering yesterday, and, uh, it, and it, he started telling that story about his friend passing away from cancer, and I just had tears coming down my eyes. I had to like wipe my eyes. One of the executives came by to thank the volunteers. I'm looking like an asshole just with red eyes, trying not to cry in front of them. It was just so moving. It was really incredible. Um, thank you for all the kind words you said about hospice uh, workers. They really do got, uh, do the Lord. Oh, work. they're the best. They're, these hospice workers are angels. I'm telling you, man, I got some good people with, uh, working with my mother and, and worked with my father. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I'm right there with you. Okay, and then uh, let's hear from um, Mike, and then we should move on because there's a bunch of other things i got to tell you about, and tomorrow's the big uh, Cockvember event that I have to get ready for the decathlon. Uh, yes, Mike? Hey, looking forward to Cockvember. Um, one yes. quick thing, great, uh, great interview. One thing I found interesting was how funny Bruce thought you were. He really he laughed at a lot of stuff you said. Yes, yes, yeah, that was um, fun. I, I found that was very interesting, and uh, I just want to say we speak your name and stay frosty. All right, thank you. Stay frosty. I like that. Okay, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> uh, yes, him. Hello, hey, Howard. Yep. Uh, long-time caller, Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Uh, been listening to you for on AM back in the... We used to catch your your show across from Buffalo. Uh, when you first started out, you I just wanted to say you've really evolved so much. Uh, your show is just better and better every year. Uh, I've tried to call many times, could never get through. Uh, I'm just kind of stunned now that I'm talking to you. And your interview, um, you pretty much could hang them up. I don't know who else you could interview the way that uh, you and Bruce came across. Uh, I don't know if you'd like to get 
uh, Mick in there or Neil Young. There's one more person I want to interview. Uh, Bruce. I need him uh, five more times. <laughs> I'm not done with him yet. All right, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, um, uh, well, just Jennifer going Witz on. Well, Jennifer is wet, ready for you to, to interview dead people, so. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. should she, consider that now. <laughs> she, she wants me to interview, what did you say? Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if Jimi Hendrix had lived, he'd be, I think he'd be like close to 80 years old now. Yeah. And if we had him on the show, it'd be great. I would love the Jimi Hendrix. That first fucking Jimi Hendrix experience album was so great. But like Jennifer Wood said, and she's right, she expects a lot of me. I'm going to interview John Lennon, Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> and I think um, I'm going to dig up George Harrison, too. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for the company and see what we can get. By the way, on another topic... But uh, a lot of fans wrote in about um, the remix we did for Halloween. This was uh, yesterday. We mashed up Rob Zombie's Great American Nightmare. Yes. And uh, Bobby Pickett's classic Monster Mash. They like that. They like when we did that. It was very and, good. Um, Monster Mash and Great American Nightmare, Howard, being remixed into one song was the music I never knew I needed in my life. The show opening was fantastic. We're glad you liked that. We put a lot of work in on these things. And people um, people like Monster Mash mashup. And uh, where is that? I don't have it. But, you you know, go back and listen. It's good. <laughs> Come back next Halloween. We'll play it again. <laughs> you're right <laughs> then um howard i love great american nightmare together blah 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 oh and listeners enjoyed last week's phony phone call where i they used uh drops of me riffing on monster mash and um and mixing it up when we called a religious show people like right that. right yeah you with the new lyrics yes right uh, Howard, that Monster Mash call was epic. Uh, love hearing the host freak out over the 9-11 Monster Mash. Uh, that, that call was fun. So, uh, the staff took the Monster Mash songs and, and prank called a different show with new drops of me singing. Yeah. And for, yeah, for some reason, this doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. This is, um, it's just fun to take tape of me being doing horrible monster mashes. It upsets these <laughs> religious people a lot. So here we go. Get ready to leave, but we had somebody to come into the room. Who that? Error code three three seven. You wanted to say something? Yeah, hi, it's JD. Hey, JD, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm curious. Are you guys familiar with the song "The Monster Mash"? Uh, yes, sir. The Monster right, right. yeah. Well, my dad just secured the publishing rights uh, to the song. We got the rights to it, okay. So I want to know what you think about this, because he's a musician, and he wants to rewrite the lyrics and re-release it this year, but cover real-world topics like the economy, cancer. Um, that's too heavy. I'm just going to tell you off the top of my head. That's pretty cancer heavy. in the spirit realm is a demonic spirit. It's a curse. Well, he wants to inspire people. I mean, he's here. He has a keyboard. He can play it for you. Can we hear that? Yeah. Dad, go ahead. This one's about cancer. Okay. I'm laying in bed, and my body is being eaten by a horrible disease, and I don't even want to meet him. Huh. I'm working in the lab trying to find a cure, but to tell you the truth, I'm a big bore. <laughs> uh, I, I... Ah, yeah, yeah. J.D. Well, uh, J.D., pretty heavy. What are you, what are you saying? Um, who's that? 
sorry, that's my dad. And really, people are not going to want to hear that. It's like, I wouldn't want to hear The lyrics weren't that inspiring. Right. What? Okay, well, how about politics? He does one um, about January 6th. I think it's excellent. No, that's totally a no-no. J.D., this is what we're going to do. Make it real quick. Okay, go ahead, Dad. They're going to love this one. There was a terrible insurrection on January 6th, and Borla's well, Cheney felt it was wrong. There was an insurrection, and we couldn't well, believe it. J.D., this is what we're going to do. We're going to move on in the show. You can send an email. We saw they put together a committee oh. that we have. A January 6th committee. It's a committee. All right, enough of that. <laughs> I mean, that's really, really, really political. Uh, I, don't, I think that a Christian is supposed to stay out of politics. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? That song is too much fun to mess it up with, with politics, you know? Fuckers. Hey, sir. Hey, every hey. time I have an idea, there's a problem. Dad, calm down. He's very passionate. I'm sorry. I get I get the I get the passion. Bullshit. I get the idea. I get what he's trying to do. Fuck him. Marketing is all about audience. I gotta go take a shit. Uh, uh. Oh. Sorry, guys. He's just going to the bathroom. JD, I tell you, do this, man. Can you call back next week? Mm, this is gonna be rough. Oh. Hey, uh, gotta let you go. Wait a second. Here's an idea, sir. Oh my God! Sir. I think he just got the inspiration for another song. No, 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 no! Wait, wait, wait. I was taking a shit. I was sitting what? on the bowl and no, no, no. Cut him off. Oh. I got the smelliest gas. I'm this is demonic. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the epitome of evil. Yep. That's what we have of ignorance today. And it's the spirit of uh, foolishness. I just kicked them off air. We apologize to the audience. Don't make any Amen. sense. Doesn't make Amen. any sense. He made a fool out of himself. He must have just looked that. We pray for this brother in the name of Jesus, whoever he is. And Lord, forgive him for he don't even know what he's doing. Amen. God is Amen. good. God is so good. J.D. and his dad. Wow, what a night. God bless everyone and have a good night. Everybody have a good night. What's wrong with the world, mama? People living like wow. Uh, that guy made an ass of himself uh, with those Monster Bear songs. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Not great. I just love. We got to just do every day a phony phone call with those stupid. Yes, you got to make things. up some more lyrics. You know, like keep them timely. Like whatever's going on, you might have to uh, go through the headlines every week and write a new one. Here's something I don't want to have happen. Uh, Tim Goff. A 55-year-old radio presenter. That's over in the United Kingdom and, you know. Okay, because radio call, presenter? I was like, what the heck is that? People who do what we do are called radio presenters. I happen to know okay. that. And um, okay. anyway, he died earlier this month in the middle of his show. Oh. Yeah, and I don't, I, I you know, I do not want to, um, I don't want on to the have air? that. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't care if you want to die on the air, Robin. I don't want to die on the air. It's just not the way I want to go out. I don't want to go out that way. It's just too fucking weird. But this guy died in the middle of his show. It's called the Gen X Radio Suffolk Morning Show. By the way, not a great name for a show. My opinion. This is an area I know about. Gen How X old Radio. Was he Gen X? Fifty-five years old. I don't know. Is he Gen X? But I guess I don't that's what know it was called. Gen X, yeah. He was given a birthday shout out to the former 
Rolling Stones, uh, Bill Wyman, you know, the bass player from the Rolling Stones. But Bill Wyman, by the way, is no longer with the Stones. He's too old. He's, he's in his 80s, well into his Yeah, 80s. he stopped touring long ago. Yeah, can't believe that. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah the, guy was, the guy was doing his thing. Uh, the Rolling Stones and Brown Sugar. And we play today because it is Bill's birthday today. It sounds like he's pretty chipper for a guy who's about I, seconds away from dying. I was going to say, dying. doesn't sound like a guy about to die. I figure if I'm on the air and I'm about to go, you know, Robin, I'm in a shitty fucking mood. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, everybody, how you doing? Very much a Suffolk resident for years now. But is Bill Wyman higher or lower in age than Ted Templeman? Who he? Well, he's the musician, producer, and member of 60s band Harper's Bazaar. Ted born today in 1944, making him 78 years of age. Bill Wyman, born in 1936, making him 86. That's an awful wow. lot of candles to blow out today. And then he disappeared. That was it. They just went into music and uh, then he was gone. He oh, died right I'm in the middle glad of the show. I didn't hear. No. I was like, oh no, when is it going to. He, when um, are we going to hear him die? No, he was totally pro. He just right after that, he jingled right into music. Wow! And then he suffered a heart attack. Paramedics were on the site within twenty to twenty-five minutes, but he was gone. That's it. Party yeah, over. Twenty twenty-five is a little bit long. Yeah. To wait. Fifty-five years old. And what horrible last words! All in that DJ voice. You know. Yeah, that weird made-up voice. Yeah, like, oh, can you believe it? What's that? Who's he? Yeah. Who he? Yeah, who he? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, rest in peace, buddy. Fellow broadcaster Tim Goff died on the But I do I have to commend him on making that segment into a little bit of a game. Yeah, that was nice. He went. Yeah. <laughs> and what a game it was. Who's older? Bill Wyman, who we know that. He goes, or Ted Templeman. Like, who's that, your rabbi? Who I mean, he? Uh, who he? Uh, how would I know how old Ted Templeman is when I don't know who he is? That's, I don't even know who he is. Yeah. Yes. yeah I, my luck, my last words will be like, Tommy John Underpants. And then boom, right out. Fuck that. My heart better keep ticking when I'm doing a Tommy John commercial. Where do you want it to happen? You're saying, I don't want it to happen that way. You know how you don't want it to happen? Well, I used to say, well, I want to be in the middle of coitus with Beth. You know, like I want ah. my penis inside of her. And, die. and like she said to me, first of all, I don't want you dying on top of me. How am I going to get you <laughs> off of me? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and I thought her, about Howard. it. <laughs> There's a couple of times where, you know, I've been having sex with Beth and I'm kind of out of breath. And like, I feel like I might be having a heart attack. And I go, you know what? I don't want, I got to hold it together and not let her see me being an old man. <laughs> so like, I just keep going and I, uh -huh. you know, and I'm like, oh God, I don't let me die right here. That'll be awful. So uh, I wouldn't mind just being in a bed, bring in Bruce Springsteen, play a song, and let me go. How's that? How about after you finished having sex? Hmm. That's a possibility. But I need right, my kids don't want that. Now you just roll over. But they don't have to know. You're still in bed. The story will come out. <laughs> Who's going to tell it? You'll be gone. <laughs> you won't tell. <laughs> you know, last night I'm laying in bed watching Bachelor in Paradise, and I went, this wouldn't be a bad time to go. I'm pretty happy watching this. <laughs> Although I would like to see how it ends. You know, you want to uh, be here for the end of Bachelor in Paradise. 
Here's something else I, that's driving me crazy. This is so weird. So somehow Harvey Weinstein uh, is getting another trial. I don't understand the law. I really do not. Well, I don't even understand. these are new trials. They're not rehashing what he's already been convicted of, are they? No, I think they are. They, they, in other words, if he can clear his name, he'll be out of prison. No, Howard. No, Howard. This is a no. New yeah, trial. guys. New, new trial. trial. Different, yeah. different victims. But why would they waste time? He's already in jail for 50 years. Well, he might get out. <laughs> no, Howard, the first ones were, I believe, the first yeah. ones I believe were in New York. Now these are all yeah, the women in Los Angeles. These are in LA. Yeah. And at some point, well, he'll let me be on ask tour. you he has to go to Paris, I think. Ooh. But wait a second. They're going to try all words, over the world. I don't understand. <laughs> like, okay, if I'm the prosecutor in Los Angeles, and I'm like, fuck Harvey Weinstein. You know, he did a terrible thing. He's been convicted in New York. He's he's not getting out. Any, he, the guy's in his 70s. He's not going to get out in any time soon. You know what I mean? Why <laughs> are they doing it? Because those victims deserve their vindication. Oh, is they that what they're story. saying? Yeah. They, they want deserve to get it out. Their, their justice, yes. He's already serving a 23-year sentence in New York for rape and that sexual assault. That seems short to me. So. Yeah. And to me, yeah, and then tack but, on some new time. <laughs> so he gets he gets a, he gets extradited to California, which means a free trip to California. Well, you know, he's probably thrilled. It's not the way he used to travel, though. I don't think they had him in a private jet. <laughs> uh, you don't think that you don't think he no, went in a jet? No, I don't think on, he had all that that right. uh, fanfare that he used. But here's to the thing. They're bringing up again Harvey's genitals. Evidently, everyone he's ever had, you know, these weird experiences with has said his genitals look weird. But somehow it came out. And you tell me, this sounds something fucking crazy. L.A. prosecutors told jurors that due to an infection, Harvey Weinstein's testicles were removed from his scrotum in 1999 and put into his inner thighs. Um, the reason they're bringing this up is the women can testify when they describe his abnormalities. It'll prove that they saw his genitals, at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what the fuck? Did you know you could take a dude's balls and put them in his thighs? No, I did not know that. Yeah, like, in other and words. Why would you want to do that? Are you leaving him there? <laughs> I'd be like, you know, just take him. And by the way, if they had just taken out his balls, I think he, he probably. He wouldn't have had this problem. Right, he would have not been sexually assaulting people. I mean, that that'll listen. I remove my cat's balls. He has no desire to fuck. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So what, what they, they? So I guess they put your balls in your thigh, and that can keep you going in terms of boners and stuff. I guess. But I don't understand that the system isn't. I mean, do they run lines from his thighs? I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything thigh about balls it. To Did his... you know that? Did you know that was even an option? If you have some weird shit with your testicles, they could stick them in your thigh? Uh, no, that never came up when I was in the business. Who did the operation? Joseph Mengele? I mean, you really? know, like that's something they, like an experiment you would do on prisoners of go. war. Let's put them in his thighs. <laughs> you know what we'll do? We would take the Jews and put their balls in their thighs. That's what it sounds like to me. But it was an infection. And I guess Balls they aren't affected. I don't understand this whole thing. This is one all... of the victims of Harvey Jane Doe. Number one, didn't remember Weinstein having any testicles. She said it was like empty skin. So she didn't know they were in his in his thigh. Right. And how do you walk around like that? I mean, you know, my thighs Why chafe and rub you together. Put them back. 
Like, why do you have this empty sack hanging there? Maybe people disliked Harvey so much the doctor went, you know, fuck this guy. Let's stick his balls in his thigh and give him a hard time. He should just plead guilty rather than have that well, all come out again. Well, it sounds like he was a monster scientifically and he was a monster socially. Actually, we've obtained exclusive audio from the trial. This is the jury reacting when they first heard about Weinstein's thigh ball. <laughs> Jesus, that's some reaction. <laughs> uh, How listen. many people on that jury? <laughs> uh, I count nine. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, listen, um, I think you what I'm going to do. if he wanted attention to his thigh balls, you know, like that he was like, rub my thigh ball. <laughs> well, you know that song, the hand bones connected to the thigh ball. The thigh balls connected to the scrotum. <laughs> it's a whole thing. You know, I got to pee. I'm thinking of ending the show. I got to pee so bad. Or should I pee and come back and tell you about the end of K-Rock Radio, our old radio station? You said pretty good. that yesterday that you had um, the sign off from music to, to news now. Yeah, but it's like the end of our show. Why should maybe? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. Listen, tomorrow's okay. another day. I know we've got the decathlon for Cockvember, but I don't know. Maybe maybe end it now, and then I'll when we sign on tomorrow morning, I'll start with the death of K-Rock. Okay. Because I need to play you how they did it. It's kind of funny. It's not kind of funny. It's funny. Hmm. But I kind of pee. At what time did they do it? You know, that's always interesting to me <laughs> when they make the switch. If you and Fred talk... If you give me a minute, I could pee and then come back and tell you about K-Rock. Okay. But I don't know how you feel about talking to Fred. Well, I did want to find out from Fred how he feels a day after the Bruce Springsteen concert. You know, he's had time to think about it. But let me ask you something. And ruminate over it. Well, you know you guys have talked. happens. You know you guys have talked before, and you, you've explained to me um, it doesn't go well. You know, well. it's been about 40 years since that right. happened. All right. <laughs> I'm ready to Boy, try that feels, it again. That would fills you prefer, me with a lot of confidence, guys. <laughs> would you prefer speaking to a different staff member, or would you want to speak to uh, Fred? No, I want to talk to Fred. You do? I do. Well, okay. Hey, it's your <laughs> funeral. Mm. Nah, Freddie. Um, all right, Fred, I'm going to leave you with you Robin. You better not I'm take a long piss because this is not going right. to go well. I, I just feel oh, it in my bones. Oh, stop it. All right, I'll be right back. You guys talk. Wrong way. Go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I'll be okay. back. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Very good. So. Will he, a- right, will he actually Fred. leave the room, though? Yes, ma'am. He did. He left. Okay. Good So Lord. I was really thinking about you a lot yesterday. I mean, I even wrote you that note at the end. We didn't really get a chance <laughs> yeah, to did. talk. Yeah, you did. That was so funny. But I wanted to really hear how you felt about everything that happened yesterday. Everything. I have to say that's probably the most remarkable interview I've ever heard in my life. I think that's an interview that would get Howard into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Radio Hall of Fame simultaneously. And I wasn't even joking about him uh, doing that show on Broadway at all. Because it'd be just well, so cool. Well, I don't cool. think the people know what we're talking about because we had that conversation off the air. Right. But there was a whole conversation about how that should be uh, taken across the country. 
And people oh, should totally. be able to sit in a room and see that live and in person. I had an interesting idea, and it would actually maybe get Howard and you uh, a Grammy. I don't know how you do that. A Grammy, a Tony, and possibly an Emmy. If you did that show, what you did yesterday, on Broadway, you could tape it for like Netflix or something like that and show it on that. So that would get your uh, Emmy out of the way. Uh-huh. And you would get a Tony. But Didn't he get a Tony for the uh, Broadway show that he did? Yes, so he did. Like, yes, he did. So he, the, the only thing he would need is an Oscar. And that's that I can't help you with. But I think that be, <laughs> it would be so amazing Interview for people to movie. see this. <laughs> that was the other thing I was thinking of, too, because we're so lucky. We got to see it in person, like on the screen. So yeah. people were only getting just the the audio. Watching Howard react to Bruce, watching Bruce react to Howard. That was the other thing too. I thought Bruce was just like so warm, and it was. Uh, and I, I never expected that. I always expected him to kind of be a little, you know, maybe a little distant, a little, little careful, or something like that. A little, but I'm he back. Was, he was, I'm back. He was just so good. Okay, take we your show back. We don't need you anymore. Uh, We're having Robin. a great conversation. <laughs> Robin, I'm so sorry. I know you were probably thinking the, the whole time I was in the bathroom, I was like, I'm really worried about Robin. I don't know if she's going to be. I want to apologize, first of all, to whatever happened. I did not hear it. Uh, uh, no, no, but, uh, no. This this time, there's no apology necessary. It right. was actually going well. So you enjoyed talking to Fred? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. It was uh, a lot of give and take. And one of the things I wanted to say to you, Fred, was I did the same thing. I was, I said to Howard yesterday after talking, you know, after it was all over that right. I was watching his face and I was watching Bruce's face that there was so much there. That I was well, sorry the audience couldn't see these that's, reactions. That's one thing. That's one thing I wanted to say to Howard personally is, I, I have to tell you, it was such a thrill seeing you happy. I, I don't think Thank I've seen you. that too many times doing this radio show. You had this look of joy on your face that I don't think I've ever seen in my life. That it was a, a, a remarkable I, I, moment. Well, thanks, Fred. I actually was actually joyous. And I haven't experienced joy since um, I think I was five years old. So this was the first time in all these years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Robin, for you holding down the fort. I just and Fred, you might be interested in this, too. The um, always the death of K-Rock Radio. Uh, we worked mm. at K-Rock Radio. Uh, I don't even know how many years, maybe 20. I don't know. Who knows? It was anyway. exactly 20. Remember, was they it? gave you that box of wine just before we left <laughs> to celebrate our 20 years. Uh, what's this note from Fred? Bruce has an Oscar. He doesn't have an Emmy. What is that? What are you talking about? Uh, we were talking about taking oh. that show on the road and how we could get you an Emmy, a Tony, Ooh, an Emmy. a Grammy. Oh, See, And if you Bruce did... always has, already has an Oscar. Well, I'm going to go if back to the bathroom. The show you did, Fred's coming up with some good thoughts if here. If you All did right. the show like you did yesterday on Broadway, I mean, yeah. not only would people want to see it, but you I guarantee you, you'd get the Tony. You would get wow. an Emmy because you could call Ted Sarandos. He could videotape it and throw it on Netflix. Ooh. And yeah. uh, I don't know if there's a way to do that uh, audio-wise just to release it to be eligible for uh, an, you know, a Grammy. Like a spoken that word Grammy, cool yeah. Exactly. Wow. All right, well, I'll get so right on. Go. Thank you. All right, thank you, Fred. <laughs> anyway, we worked at this radio Bruce station. We worked, we worked at this radio station called uh, 92.3 K-Rock. It later became 50 other radio stations, but they did this thing where I don't even understand it from a radio point of view. The FM station we worked at, 
they changed it over. They're going to broadcast the all-news radio station from AM radio, 1010 Winds, on FM 92.3. But the whole thing is just so bizarre. And uh, I won't I won't go into the personal satisfaction I get from <laughs> knowing we left and the whole thing just went kablooey. Uh, but uh, so Thursday, last Thursday, Alt 92.3 in New York City, our former station changed formats. They went to this news format. And um, let's see. It changed Thursday at 8.50 a.m. Why 8.50 a.m.? I don't know. That's an odd time. Yeah. Formats changed. It was a long moment of dead air between the switchover. So here I got the clip. It's just bizarre. I, I wonder... Like, did somebody, some programming genius go, we're going to go from rock, alternative rock, to news, and we're going to switch over. And do we want the audience in the theater of mind think like this, like this big switch is being thrown? You know what I mean? Because we know radio. It's seamless. You can switch formats. But there was like this big pause. <laughs> I'm like, this is so jive. It's so bullshit. Who are you fucking with here? What a big switch. We may be changing, but we're not gone for good. Don't miss a minute of the next chapter of Alt 92.3. Download the free Odyssey app and follow us to keep listening to the alternative music you love on Alt 92.3. Winds News Time 8.50. Good morning, it's Susan Richard. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of weeks, you've heard us talking about a new era in New York radio. Well, that time has come. All news all the time is now being simulcast on 92.3 FM. The formal launch is at 9 o'clock, but we have snuck on a little early to get ready. Now, let me tell you, there's so many mm. things wrong with this. First of all, she's all happy celebrating the fact that an entire radio station has just gotten fired and nobody's working anymore. Essentially, they're just taking something that exists and rebroadcasting it on the FM dial. Secondly, she goes, hey, hey, everybody. I don't know what that giant pause was either. I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm in radio. That was a long pause. It's unnecessary. They yeah, don't you hit could some have switch right over. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then she goes, the topper in that statement is, hey, this is kind of crazy. We're supposed to switch at nine o'clock, but you know what? <laughs> you know what we're doing? We're so fucking nuts around here. We're coming on at eight fifty. We're we're switching over ten minutes early. Like, what am I supposed to do? A goddamn dance? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, really? Is it that crazy that you switched over to? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna I mean, surprise. <laughs> I guess people they must assume the audience is moronic. Like, you know, like, like, hey, first of all, anyone who's listening at that moment is going, shit, this sucks. I used to listen to the music on this station and now it's it's going to yeah, be that's news. That's what I was doing. I was listening for the music. And the other bullshit thing they go, you go, hey, if you want to continue our journey, get the Odyssey app and listen to Alt 92.3. No, dude, no one's doing that. We're not that desperate. First of all, we didn't listen to you when you were on the regular radio. We didn't even give, <laughs> download an app and listen to this shit. <laughs> Maybe the three people who were listening will get the app. Who knows? Uh, yeah, so. I guess they were in a rush. They get that 10 minutes early. 
you know, make sure no music is played. What We're was the so last- excited to be simulcast that we can't wait. I'm always interested what is the last song they played on Alt 92.3. For some reason, the program director always leaves you with a musical message. And it was System of a Down. Oh, no, it was LCD Sound System, New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down. That's where I got down from. LCD Sound System, New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down. And there must be some kind of, I guess the message is, hey, we love you, but you're bringing the radio station down. Well, yeah, you're kicking us off the station we're on here. <laughs> and then that lady who comes on from the all-news station, she's like, Hey, hey, everybody, you're about to hear the next chapter. And we live pretty dangerously over here at 1010 Winds. We're wacky, we're wild, we're crazy, because we're just going to come on 10 minutes early just to, just to fuck with you, just to get ready. That's the kind of wacky shit you'll be hearing now on our you radio station. You already heard the last song. Now you're going <laughs> to... Now you're going to listen to us drone on about fires and pestilence. We're going to bum you out. (laughs) New York, we love you, but we're no longer profitable. So you're going to get essentially what you get on the AM dial over here on the FM dial. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, I think they should have gone with the last 10 minutes. Now it gets even wackier, though. I'm not done yet. Okay. Oh. So after the switchover happened... You know, to the 1010 wins. Host Susan Richard introduces Lynn Manuel Miranda. You know who that guy is? Yes, he's the guy who wrote, uh, Hamilton. Yeah, he wrote a play. What the fuck he's, well, he's why is he? A few plays, but. Well, whatever he's done. I mean, I, I don't know. The guy, you know, hey, good for him, but what's he got to do with the death of a music station going to all news? But. Somehow they wrangle Lynn Manuel Miranda to do a countdown. To the all-new format. Yeah, yeah, countdown. <laughs> Listen, this is the lamest, fucking wildest thing I've ever heard. And really, Lin-Manuel... Well, what's Lin-Manuel thinking? The, the, he can't think this is a good idea. Can we just start calling him Lynn Miranda? I mean, I'm having a hard time with... <laughs> I'm an announcer, and I can't say Lin-Manuel or Miranda. I mean, I'm having a... It's a tongue twister, for sure. So, Lin-Manuel Miranda... Is it somehow, Manuel? <laughs> yeah, Lin-Manuel... Manuel. How else would you say it? M-A-N-U-E-L. Lynn Manuel. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Somehow, I don't know. It's a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds wrong when I say it. It's Manuel. Oh, Manuel. I thought Manuel. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Go ahead. Say it three times fast, Gary. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Now I got it. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Let me. Yeah. I didn't think it was Manuel. It's been a Lin- long time since I've said his name. How about Lynn Manfred? How about Lynn Manfred Man's Earth Band Miranda? <laughs> Easier to say. Well, it's spelled Manuel, and I'm going to continue to say Manuel because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda does the countdown. Now, I don't know who Lynn Manuel Miranda's um, agent is, but he should be. He should say, "Listen, dude, how do you fucking put me? Like, nobody's dying for this. The countdown probably just pisses off a bunch of people who enjoy rock music, right? Why, and this why guy's would I, got a couple of Grammys. Yeah, you know, why would I? He's why would I want to be a Grammy winner and now counting down to the day we're killing the music and putting on all news? Why would yeah, I want to be that fucking guy? He probably wrote one of the greatest Broadway shows yeah. ever. And we reduce him to counting down 
between a broken down radio station and a news station? <laughs> well, like Hitler, he's eliminating music <laughs> and bringing in the all news format. So here's the big moment. Lin-Manuel Miranda, thank you so much for being with us on this historic day. It's almost that time. So how about counting us down? Sure. It's an honor to be the one to throw the virtual switch and kick off a new era in news in New York. In five, four, three, two, one. Ten Ten Wins is now on 92.3 FM. Wow. Heading up the canyon of heroes. New York City. Hear the roar of this crowd. A city like no other. Happy 125th birthday, Statue of Liberty. Today, history is being made once again as 1010 Wins can now be heard at 92.3 FM. Juliet Papa, 1010 Wins, reporting live from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. One shot, 1010 Wins, you're in Lower Manhattan. New York and the Tri-State have a new home for all news, all the time. 1010 Wins at 92.3 FM. It's about (laughs) time. A couple of things to say, but first of all, why did Lin-Manuel Miranda sound like he was on another planet? Did you hear me? He was like, he was like, hi, yeah, thank you. I'm very honored to be here. Uh, uh, t- five, four, three, two, one. And then the big voice guy comes in. Yes, a new one. You know, like, like, like he's yeah, pre- Lin-Manuel Lin-Manuel. sounds like he's uh, on a tin can and a string. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what that is. He was probably in his house and they recorded it. And, they, and by the way, I mean, let's be honest. Nobody cares. Nobody fucking cares that 1010 wins is now on a, a, a 92.3. I mean, it's not that. It's kind How of a defeat. How are you going to tell people? Like 1010 wins is where they are on the AM dial. Well, yeah, and and like what we're celebrating here is we got this on the AM dial. We didn't need it on the FM dial. We can easily punch the button and get 1010 wins. This is 1010 no one... wins, but I was looking for 92. I was looking for something else. You know, like when you go to try to find 1010 wins on the FM dial, it's not a 1010. There's no such thing. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to listen to this <laughs> shit. Years ago, they tried news on FM. Uh, WYNY was all news. It, it was a disaster. And why was it a disaster? Because they had two AM radio stations with all news. So, you know, what, what are we celebrating? And then, and then to further confuse everyone, after the big celebrity Lynn Manuel Miranda Chen Moonbez went, <laughs> uh, then they had, um, Ed Sheeran somehow showed up. What? I know they, ba- I know they bamboozled him. Here's a guy who loves music. He's a great musician. And he's cheering this. I, I, I don't know how they bamboozled him into this, but the, the, the confusion continues as 1010 Wins has Ed Sheeran do a promo for them. Here we go. WINS, WINS FM and HD1 New York. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran and 1010 Wins can now be heard on 923 FM. Always live on the free Odyssey app. That's crazy. You know what it is. Ed, of course, is a staple of regular radio. You know, all his music sits yeah. songs. So they probably he was probably in doing something for Odyssey, which is their the name of their company, and, and they just said, "Hey Ed, can you read a bunch of promos for us?" And he's he's a good guy. He's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that." And and, and he just read it off like you know, hey, uh, you know, ten ten wins sounds like it could be a a music station. He doesn't know what's happening. They didn't explain I know, it to him. I know, but I'm I'm this I mean, is all 
it's all like Nonsense. really weird because people who shouldn't be celebrating that right. a music station has become a news channel are celebrating it. I'm going to contact Ed Sheeran and tell him what they pulled on him. Because <laughs> basically they had him basically go, hey, fuck music. I love news. Who needs yeah. another music station? And, and Ed would be appalled I at what they're doing. I make music and I don't even want to hear music. Yeah. Because listen how quickly he rattles it off. He must have done 50 promos. W-I-N-S, W-I-N-S-F-M and HD1 New York. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran and 1010 Wins can now be heard on 92.3 FM. Always live on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> it sounds like he's thrilled. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran and uh, what is this? Uh, I, hey, I'm thrilled. Uh, uh, 1010 Wins. He didn't know what the These guys from England, he didn't know what 1010 Wins is. If he knew any of this was going on, he'd be appalled. Oh, my God. But really, we got to get to Lin Manuel's agent or manager because how he got into a countdown situation <laughs> for a radio station is ridiculous. Yeah, dude, it wasn't so great. Counting down to the all news format. <laughs> you know what it is? I've, From you know, I, his house. I mean, it's like, this is ridiculous. This is just radio terrible. stations hold artists hostage. They, you know, in order to get airplay, when, you know, they're like, hey, you're going to give us, um, you're going to give us a jingle ball, Ed. We play your music. You're showing up a jingle ball. Okay. And I mean, jingle ball, New York, jingle ball, California, jingle ball, Cincinnati, jingle yes. ball, jingle ball, jingle ball, the balls in Harvey Weinstein's thigh. You're going to show up at all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hear, you know, that's number one. Number two, whenever we do it, we're just going to throw you a bunch of promo things. Trust us. You'll want to read, read them and, and, don't worry about it. It'll be good for you, Ed, because, um, you know, you'll get your name out there and people will hear Ed Sheeran. And he's like, OK, what do I read? You know, and he's just like, oh, let me see here. Hi, Ed Sheeran. Um, I want to thank uh, 92.3 K-Rock. I want to thank this one. I want to thank that station. Um, I'm Ed Sheeran. Oh, uh, congratulations. 1010 wins on uh, replacing Alt 92.3. Uh, I'm Ed Sheeran. The election was stolen. I'm Ed Sheeran. <laughs> 200 employees at 92.3 K-Rock are now on food stamps. I'm Ed Sheeran. 9-11 was an inside job. I'm Ed Sheeran. Are you ready to hear about subway closures? Here it is. So he reads his shit off on a list. And, they, and he doesn't know he's killing a radio station, you know, celebrating the death of a music station. But uh, tell me what Lin-Manuel Miranda was getting out of this. He didn't know. He's, he's, he's you know, he's busy with, uh, he's, he's, he's living in the past with Hamilton. <laughs> Who the fuck cares about him? <laughs> Hamilton. I never liked Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton was Hamilton. incredible. I, I like, you uh, never saw it. I, I, I don't like uh, uh, plays about <laughs> Hamilton. Listen, George Hamilton I like. <laughs> 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 and you know, they just shove shit in front of you for Ed Sheeran. That, and I'm going to tell Ed. I'm going to say, Ed, he goes, yeah, I thought it was strange. They put this piece of paper in front of me. They hoodwinked you. Uh, hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. Hillary Clinton is eating our children. Hi, I'm uh, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, uh, Jess Hole. Uh, you know, it's like, he didn't know he was welcoming an all-news station. He doesn't know. All right. Well, anyway, you, that, Jess Hole. All right. Anyway, yeah, I'm I don't know out what Lynn Manuel has to do with news or alt radio. Well, you're in charge really? of calling his Sister agent, <laughs> telling them what's going on. All right, Robin, that's the death of our radio station. Tomorrow, there's yeah. a lot to get to, and you, a, a huge, 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 huge event going on tomorrow. <laughs> a uh, final October into November <laughs> event. It's called the Decathlon. I described it earlier. Make sure you tune in for the Decathlon. And you will love it.
Richard's going to be spanked. Medicated Pete's going to sing into his penis. Uh, the guys are going to do fishing with their penises out of each other's assholes. Fishing it's going to be and amazing. Golf and is there another event for Dick Cavalon? Oh, yes. There's many, many. <laughs> Wasting a lot of time. All right. There you go. So make sure that uh, you uh, check it out. In fact, I can give you some behind the scenes. Uh, Richard and Sal are right now heading into the city for rehearsals today. For That's the Dick right. Catalog. Rehearsals. A dress um, rehearsal for an undressed event. Beautiful, Robin. Can I put that on a poster or do you own that? <laughs> uh, but I do want to leave you with one word and one word only. 